Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, Monday Night Football to the Dallas Cowboys, and I think we should just go big picture on this game, not little picture. The NFC East was terrible last year. Nobody in the division had a winning record. Alex Smith came in the last month and a half of the season and just given him some competent quarterbacking, despite his horrific injury history. He got Washington into the playoffs. But Dak Prescott was hurt most of the year. He got hurt early. Good thing he was my fantasy football quarterback. He's back now. He's the best quarterback in a division by a wide margin, and they had to win that division. Cowboys are 2-1. and one. They just put up 40 on the Eagles, and nobody else in that division has a winning record right now. Everybody's 1-2 and two or 0-3. Oh <clears throat> so if you're the Cowboys, you got to be a playoff team. You got to win that division. Right now, going forward, I got the Cowboys penciled in for one of the seven starts, seven uh, playoff spots. And where do they start in the seating? That's the only key. You know, are they going to be the uh, fourth best division champ? Are they going to be the second best in a bad division with six games that they ought to win? Can they get to one and get a bye? I don't know. And, you know, obviously the bigger question, can Dak Prescott stay healthy? Because if he gets hurt, then they're going to go like they went last year. But great start for the Cowboys. Win two of the first three. Rest of the division struggling. It looks good early for them. All right, there's the, uh, there's the NFL news. The, um, the big story Monday, the Jazz training camp. It's open. They are now in Las Vegas. They're going to train for three days. Everybody's taking trips. And you don't want to be the stuck-in-the-mud, fuddy-duddy old team that doesn't go anywhere and just stays in Salt Lake. So uh, Locke told us there were three teams in San Diego. I saw that Houston went to the Bahamas before camp for a team-building exercise. I wouldn't mind if someone at Channel 2 loaded up a bunch of us and we went to the Bahamas for a team-building exercise. I'm also open to any of the Hawaiian Islands, Oahu, Hawaii, Kauai, Maui, Molokai. I'll give Molokai a shot. I don't know. Why not? Um, so they get that. And I do wonder, and I, I got to say, we don't know, and there's no media down there. Um, there's no media. Um, but is there going to be some access for some high-end sponsors in Las Vegas? Uh, is there some business to this trip in addition to putting the team down there? I am curious about all of that. All right, let's get to the uh, players. Uh, Rudy Gobert meeting with the media. And Rudy clearly would like some touches offensively when other teams go small to punish that guy. Um, you know, How much better is he going to be? Uh, what kind of confidence does he get from the Olympics? How has he improved? And then also, uh, not much of an offseason for Rudy. <clears throat> is that a factor? Just a couple of the topics he hits with the media. Here's Rudy Gobert. What was your Olympic experience like in – Specifically, one thing specifically, the way that when you posted, you know, and Evan and, and the guards, they threw you the ball. And if you dropped the pass, they threw you the ball again and again and again. Is that something that you can translate to to to, to this season with, with the Jazz? I mean, first off, it was a great experience, you know, for us. Um, you know, just the group that we had. Uh you know, being able to go there and, you know, just enjoy it and, and at the same time try to be the best team we could be. So it was a, it was really fun. Uh, came a little short from the goal, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy of the way we, we, the mindset that we had and how we played. And uh, regarding the, 
the posts and stuff. It's it's part of the game. I mean, there's gonna be mistakes, uh, but allowing me to make those mistakes and keep trusting me was you know really huge for us. And uh, it was fun. You know, it was just fun to be able to uh, yeah just get involved and involve my teammates. You know, I was finding my teammates on cuts, uh, and then I was able to put a lot of pressure on defense and. Uh, it was great for us. Coming off of the silver medal, what's your motivation? Like, does it change? I mean, does it feel like you've accomplished a huge thing in your career, or do you want to build off it? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not super, super, super satisfied with silver medal. I'm, I'm really happy of the experience, and uh, obviously, what we did for the country, I think, was huge for the game of basketball uh, in France. So. It was great, uh, but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to be here, and uh, you know, and we have bigger goals: winning a championship, and and uh, I hope one day also I'm be able to hold that gold medal too. Obviously, you didn't get a lot of downtime this off season. Do you think that'll hurt you going into this season? I got some downtime. Uh, I was able to, you know, take some downtime, then get back to work, get ready for the Olympics, then. I got a little bit of downtime after the Olympics and uh, and then went back to work and I was in Paris and, you know, doing a lot of stuff outside the court too. But uh, I'm feeling great. You know, I'm feeling uh, recharged and I'm excited. After the Clipper series, obviously, everyone was just kind of extremely frustrated, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, like, now that you've got the benefit of multiple months of looking back on that series and kind of what happened, what do you think about it now and kind of what lessons do you take for that I mean, it was a mix of a lot of things, uh, the injuries and, you know, you got to also give credit to the Clippers. We, we, we really played great. I mean, they had other guys that stepped up and, you know, they played really good basketball. And, uh, you know, it just motivates you, just motivates you to get better, uh, and uh, individually first, and, and of course as a team. And I think we all had time to reflect uh, and see what can we do so that doesn't happen again, pretty much. The obvious question is, what can you get better at? What do you want to get better at, both individually and as a team? I mean, for me, it's uh, uh, just keep, you know, keep building uh, on both ends and, and offensively, uh, I mean, teams uh, should be able to switch and it's on me to uh, give the confidence to my teammates and my coach to put me in a position when I can punish these teams and not just by rebounding. So, you know, it's uh, this summer was great for that. You know, I try to really use the Olympics to, uh, you know, get better at that. And Team USA was actually switching too. So it was a... It was great, you know, just great, uh, great learning experience. And, you know, it's all about using the, those tough losses to get better. How much encouragement about, you know, you guys being able to take that next step this, this coming season? What, what is the beginning? What gives you encouragement that you guys are going to be more capable of taking that next step this coming season? I think it's just our, our mindset. You know, we, we have a lot of young guys that just want to, want to win first of all and I want to keep getting better and you know everyone wants to get better and you know we've been doing that over the last since I've been here over the last eight eight nine years so it's uh yeah it's all about you know coming in with the right mindset uh support one another you know make each other better and uh 
I think great things can happen. How important is this season for you guys as a franchise, as an organization? I mean, we, we really feel like we have an opportunity to to do something special in the next few years. And we know that, you know, that those windows, uh, yeah, if you don't get that many of those windows in, in your career, so it's a great opportunity for us to, uh, no matter what happens, to really uh, try to be the best we can be. And, and uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to, you know, after all those years of, you know, losing, learning, losing, learning, being uh, part of a group that wants to do something even even better. It's, uh, it's exciting. How do you sort of balance over the last few years of seeing the, the first round and the second round a few times now? How do you balance being frustrated, not being able to get past that, but also using it as motivation? I mean, it's just about, you know, like it's, it's only a few, sometimes it can be one game that just flips, makes a difference between you going to the, to the Western Conference Finals or losing the second round. So it's, it's like I said, you know, it's all about having that mindset of just getting better and better and keep enjoying it, you know, and see what happens. Was it a difficult decision for you to get vaccinated? Um, I took my time. You know, I took my time. Um, I didn't want to, you know, be pressured by it. And, you know, talk to a lot of people, waited a little bit, and when I felt like it was time, I did. Nice to have the whole team. I mean, does it just make things easier going into the season? Uh, I mean, regarding all the protocols, yes. You know, I think uh, I think it's a. I still think it's a personal choice, and no one should be pressured by doing it. But uh, it's cool that we, you know, we have the the whole group, uh, and that we, everyone is really making sure that. You know, we're not making that a distraction for the team. And uh, it just shows, you know, it just shows that we're ready to uh, try to accomplish something together. What made you decide after waiting to eventually? Uh, like I said, you know, I think it's personal and, you know, everyone's different. Uh, I did my research, talked to a lot of people and, you know, I did what I had to do. What does Hassan Whiteside do differently than you? And are there things you guys can learn from each other? Um, I mean, he's a really good player, to be honest. And I've, I've watched him over the years. Uh, you know, he can really impact games in a unique ways. And uh, and uh, he can really change uh, change the game just by his presence and his instinct. And uh, on both ends, you know, offensively, I think he puts a lot of pressure on the rim and and he got good hands. He can finish, and you know, like I said, with with all guys, uh, I think it's going to be tough for the defense to to stop that that pick and roll and and stop him on the balls too. So that's great. And defensively, you know, he's really one of. I mean, there's not that many players that can uh, completely change the game by just their presence and uh, altering shots, blocking shots, uh, defensively. So. Um, after the way you guys went out against the Clippers, did you come away feeling more like injuries played a big part and had those not happened, you couldn't have gone further? Or, or did you come away feeling like the changes that were made this offseason were, were kind of necessary changes for you guys to go further? I mean, I think it's, you know, just like every year, we try to look at 
what do we need? What can we, what can really help us to maybe take a step uh, forward and, you know, and uh, the front office is, is, is really, uh, you know, making those decisions. And, and uh, I think we, you know, we got some guys that can really help us. And, you know, we, we saw that uh, we needed to, to get a little better defensively, uh, uh, especially in the playoffs. And we, I think we got some guys that can really uh, help us do that and help our team. All right, there is Rudy Gobert, and we're going to hear from Donovan Mitchell later in this hour. But coming up next, BYU head coach Kalani Sataki as BYU looks ahead to Utah State. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! Huh! The Aggies welcome in BYU to Maverick Stadium for another chapter in their long rivalry with the Cougars. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action, beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6 on 1280 AM with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU and Utah State, Friday night. Utes have a bye week, so this is the big game. This is it. All eyes on it, CBS Sports Network. Friday night in Logan, 4-0 BYU, 3-1 Utah State. Now, Blake Anderson was on with us yesterday. He said that Boise State, of the first four opponents, was the most talented opponent they played. And he says once you widen that to five teams, look at a BYU on tape, he says they will become the best team Utah State has played. And obviously they're going to have to execute better because they moved the ball against Boise State, but they couldn't finish, they couldn't score points, and... Ultimately, they get beat 27-3, to but they gave away, depending on how you want to look at it, 10, 14, or 17 points. We can sit here and rationalize all that away. Um, and they should have scored more. You know, don't, don't have a kick blocked. Don't miss a kick. Don't throw a pick at the goal line. All that kind of stuff. Uh, so he remains, Blake Anderson remains optimistic. Kalani Sataki's take on this game, here he is. Just really looking forward to this week. This game against Utah State. And um, a rivalry game that we're looking forward to and, and missed last year. So I'm happy that we can get this game going and uh, had some really cool um, interactions with, with Blake. Uh, and I, I see what he's doing as a head coach and the way he's getting his players to play. They've, they've added some new faces to the roster, but I uh, see a lot of familiar ones as well. So they've uh, been impressed with what I've seen on film, the way they play the game and, and Get a lot of explosive athletes. Um, have a lot of respect for the fan base too. So it'll be, it'll be a fun game to go up there, up in Logan, and, and uh, on a Friday night. And um, looking forward to the game. But um, you know, we'll, we'll see how our prep goes this week. Uh, we're shorter day, just like they are. So uh, we'll have to. This is a new one for the season, but uh, everyone will have to make adjustments, and we'll have to just get ready with a, a day less of prep. Hey, thanks, Coach Jared. Kalani, what did you learn as you went over the film, particularly about the defense? You talked about it after the game, but what did you learn about uh, about the defense, what needs to, to change moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I was really, you know, I think a lot of guys were disappointed after the game. Um, just 
wanted to have better results, especially on the defensive side in the second half. And after watching the film, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. Um, even though there are a lot of mistakes made, uh, I was really excited because the effort and the energy was there. And I, I saw a lot of guys just pressing, trying to do too much. And when, when, when the moment was uh, came their way, there's certain guys made mistakes, but it's, it's a very fixable thing. So I, I'm, I'm excited to get, get to work today and get to practice and, and get those things fixed. And everyone just has to do their 111th, and the, the big play will come their way uh, when it's within their assignment and their technique. And so uh, I saw a lot of guys pressing, a lot of guys trying to be – trying to make plays and that that's because they care so much, but I think they just need to be a little bit more disciplined in their assignments. And, um, and, uh, you know, we can always improve with our technique that can always get better and, and focusing on the fundamentals of the game. But I saw a lot of guys really trying hard, um, and probably a little, trying to do everyone's job rather than just doing their, their one eleventh. So we can focus on that, um, be a little bit more disciplined within our assignments. I, I, I feel really comfortable with, with, uh, us being in a better position for, for more success. also wanted to ask, of course, for an injury update. You had a bunch of guys banged up, and I know you guys go over that, so just any updates you can give us there? Yeah, uh, as for now, nothing um, uh, done, no, nothing out for the no one out for the season, so we're still evaluating some, some injuries. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll add some guys that, that didn't practice uh, that could have gone in the game last week, but didn't practice as much. And I'm not going to play a guy in the game if, if they didn't really have a lot of practice time. And so we'll add um, those guys to today. They'll be able to practice and participate and, and get ready for that Utah State game on Friday. Um, other than that, I think only one that would be highly doubtful is Caleb Christensen, and, which is sad because he's, he's from that area. And, and uh, I was looking forward to going back home. So and performing in front of his family and friends out there. But uh, that's the only one that's highly doubtful for now. Okay, Mitch, we'll have you go next, and then uh, Jay Drew. Yeah, Kalani, from your uh, film study over the weekend after the game, uh, you know, you had to dig into the depth due to some of those injuries. Who were some of the players that uh, you were impressed with, uh, their performances stepping in in a moment's notice? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of good things I saw from, from so many different people. Um, but we, we still improve. We can, we, I don't know if I can name one person that did it or a lot of things, right. But you probably know the names. I thought Pivot Tadavasa did some good things. Um, you know, uh, Gabe Summers is always a guy we can rely on. And, and so there's a lot of guys that stepped up, um, our own, uh, Tuyoti Mariner is another one. Um, I'm looking at the D line because that's where we're, we're missing, um, Batty and missing uh, um, Nysa. So I thought Caden Haas did a great job up front. And, um, you know, I think we put Zoe down there at the nose part a little bit. So we, we have a lot of guys that we can move around. And, um, you know, it's nice to have depth, but, but we, want, we, want our, we, want, we want all our guys to be able to participate. So hopefully this week, I know we'll be deeper and we'll have more guys that, that can contribute. That's what we're looking forward to getting that done. But uh, those are some of the guys that come to mind. I think we had some some safety step up, and we moved Chaz around a little bit. So Evan Hanneman came and made some plays, and, and it was good to see George Udo get some reps too, uh, coming back from his injury. So we've added some depth in some places, but 
uh, hopefully we can add some more with, with guys returning back to the field. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, looking at headed this week against Utah State, I, I think this is the only trophy game the program plays annually. Do you have the the wagon wheel prominently displayed around the football offices for players to see to to buy into you know the annual rivalry each year? Yeah, we we have the wagon wheel here, so I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if we got the beehive boot or anything like that, but um, we're gonna go play the game. I, I don't. <laughs> That wagon wheel's heavy, man. I'm not. I'm not really. But at least you can roll it. But I, I don't know. I just want to get the guys to play the game. And right now, I'm focused on them being assignment sound rather than than worrying about what trophy we get after. Kalani, I I wonder if you can give us a Keenan Ellis update, just due to the kind of unusual circumstances with him and his injury. Yeah, we're we're still hopeful. I mean, it's it's a it's a day to day type of deal for for him. Um, he's doing better. He's he's present. He's he's at practices and he's at the games. And, and so we're still in the same situation now where we're not sure if he's going to be able to be available this weekend. Um, but um, probably find out in the next couple of days if he can participate. I, I just have a hard time playing a, a player if if they, they haven't really had enough practices under under the belt to, to go into a game. Then I wanted to ask you about the offensive line. Uh, Joe Tukulov, who I think got a start, uh, and then Harris Lachance went out. Just how do you feel like they've performed in, uh, this season based on the expectations? Yeah, I thought they did some good things. I, I thought uh, Joe came in, did some good things uh, at, at guard. And, you know, he and, and Connor Pay have, have had kind of a little bit of rotation there. Um, we, we saw Campbell Barrington come in, in and, and – uh, fill in for Harris when Harris was, was banged up. And then, you know, we were expecting Harris to, to make a recovery and, and, and be with us this week. But uh, it's nice to know that we can count on some of those guys to be in there. And I know um, Coach Funk is working on on the depth and he's trying to get, get guys developed as quickly as possible. There's some young guys that we were really excited about, but, um, you know, we're, we're still – it's still a work in progress. So – uh, in the meantime, we're, we're really thankful for the guys that are that are out there that are playing that have some experience, and hopefully, just keep developing these guys as we go along. There's a lot of promising young O linemen that we're really liking, even on on our scout team and stuff. They're giving us a great look, and, uh, and I, have to, I have to say, we're pretty deep there. We're just very young. Okay, let's go to uh, Jared Lloyd and then Matt, Mitch after that. Lonnie, I wanted to ask a technique question. I talked to Pepe about it after the game, and it seemed like guys a lot of times would take some bad angles and end up just lunging and and missing tackles in the game. How do you address that technique-wise so they're taking the right angles, being in the right spots? What what needs to happen there? Well, probably just need to realize that you're going against a really good quarterback that can run. Uh, Those athletic quarterbacks, I'm sure – uh, I don't know how many times you can practice that in, in a game other than taking a fast guy that can run around and beat you in angles. And so uh, I think I think I'm looking at all, all the players that do it. Michael Vick did that a lot to a lot of people. Steve Young did it. Um, Kyler Murray did it. And so I think this this uh, young man from South Florida, Clinkett, is a really good player. He's just he's a, he's a lot quicker and faster than people think. And so. That's that's part of it, but the other part is you're taking better angles, but it's not like the angles were in question, you know, the weeks before. So we just got to keep working on it and 
being a little bit more um, aware of the type of athlete that we're going against. And then, you know, we're, we're going to be tested again with Utah State. They have, they have a couple of really cool, uh, athletic quarterbacks. So, um, and they've shown that they can create um, on, their, on their legs as well. So hopefully we'll learn something from uh, last weekend to, to this weekend. Uh, Kalani, uh, just one, since no one's asked you yet, uh, what's the uh, uh, the likelihood Jaron's available to play this week? Yeah, I think Jaron will be available. We'll, we'll see how it goes in practice. That's, that's uh, we, we work off of what we can get in practice and then make it a final decision when we get closer to game time. So regardless of the position, uh, if a guy is able to practice, then we have to go with who we think um, will give us the best opportunity to, to, to win and also – what's right by the players. And so we have guys that are always competing and definitely uh, trying to find um, reps on the field. And so that, that happens in practice. And so he'll be, he'll be practicing today. If, if that helps your, your question. Thanks. Uh, and then one, one last thing for me, uh, you know, you, you in, with independence, you guys face so many different type of schemes and styles uh, is from what Blake Anderson does with Utah state early on. Is there, maybe a, a team that when you see them on film that they kind of remind you of and their schematics or what they do uh, on the field that you can draw some maybe parallels to? Yeah. I mean, they, they can do a lot of different things. That's the things is, um, you know, you look at, at, at Blake's past and then where he's been and what he's done as a coach. And then I think they they could do a lot of different things from what we're seeing right now. It's, it's, um, very similar to what, what we could see with UCF um, and some other program. But I, I think they can do a lot of different things too. They do a little bit of QB run game. Um, you know, they, they have two quarterbacks that, that give them unique skill skill set. And so you have to be ready for both of them. But uh, I've been really impressed with how they how they, they utilize their, their talents and their, and their strengths. I think they have a physical big low line and backs that can really – you know, run the ball downhill and can create in space. And then they have some really athletic, explosive athletes that wide out and at tight end. So it's it's a it's a difficult matchup. Um, I mean, obviously, look at the stats. They they've uh, they've gotten they've been able to gain many yards and 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 have a lot of explosive plays against some really good teams. And um, I think last week was a little different where they weren't able to capitalize on it. But you look at the yards and and how they've been able to move. I think that's you know, listening to, to what they, they, they're talking about, that's not their normal offense. And so I think they're looking to get back to the normal offense. We're looking to get back to our normal defense and be a good matchup. And then for defense, they have tons of pressure. They, they do a lot of really good things on defense. They're sound. They tackle well. And so be a good matchup. I, I think, I think uh, overall, um, in all three phases, us against them, it's going to be a good, good matchup and a good game. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Got time for a few more questions. Let's go with Jackson, then Jake, then Sean. Hey, Coach. Obviously, been without Jake Oldroyd three of the four games this season. We were just hoping for an update on him, and then also your thoughts on Justin Smith and his performance this year filling in so far. Yeah, Jake's. Uh, we're still working to see if he can get healthy. That's that's the main thing. And um, you know, as we work closer to it, we we have someone like Justin that we can count on that we can count on. And we have also, um, you know, Justin Smith working on our kicking game. We have Cash Peterman that's also there that's working on his kicking game as well. So our guys, uh, you know, are thankful that, that um, Ed and Gavin got our, 
our, our uh, special teams in order and we feel good about our, our staffers and our holders. So uh, I feel like we have a really good punter and um, we're just going to keep working with it. it. It's, it's injuries are difficult, you know, so we're hoping to get Jake back as soon as possible. In the meantime, Justin has done a good job filling in um, this last game and the, they didn't really like the low kick on the field that was blocked, but uh, nobody was perfect, and we're, we're looking to get better. I, I've seen him kick better than that, and um, give, him, give him another chance if Jake's not able to go. Kalani, excuse me, when it comes to defending a system that plays two different quarterbacks, how difficult is that for you to prepare your guys to face two different styles? Well, the styles are different, but both can do what the, I mean, I think they, they both throw the ball well and they both can run. So it's, 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 uh, it's not like the identity all of a sudden shifts and changes. I think both can make plays. What I've been re impressed with is that they, they, um, both teams, uh, both quarterbacks can, and can lead a comeback. And though they've been down before and they've been able to fight back in the games. And, um, so you, when you watch the film, it's not like one does one thing only and the other does the other. They, they both can run. They both can, can, can throw. So, and then you surround them with some really good talent uh, on, on, in, their, in their skill positions in the physical line. I, I think they're, they look really good. I, I, I like what I see when I'm watching them on film. So uh, we, we know it's, it's a difficult matchup. And, and we're, just, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Coach, I, I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about the fact that uh, this is your first true road game of the year. You touched on it a little bit, obviously not leaving the state of Utah still. And I would argue this is your first actual road game as well with how that crowd was down in Las Vegas. Just what are you guys doing to kind of prepare for a, a true road environment? And obviously, you know how hostile Utah State fans can be and kind of the atmosphere that they create up there. Are you guys doing anything different in, in practice this week to kind of simulate that and prepare for it? Because it has been a while since you faced a, a true road crowd, like the one you'll see probably on Friday night. Yeah, we'll, we'll deal with some noise stuff. I mean, that's, everybody does that and we'll work, we'll work on our, uh, on communicating and, and, uh, I, I don't think it's, uh, anything that you really focus on too much. That's part of playing football is that you play on the road sometimes and, we, we have some guys that played on the road and we have some guys that on our team that are new to it. So it'd be a really cool experience for all, for all of those guys and for all of the coaches. So I, um, we have a lot of respect for Utah State and their fan base, their, their student section. I understand they put in our bench in front of the student section. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I, um, you know, we, we, we like to feed off of the energy in every arena that we play in. And so even if it's some negative energy, it's energy all the same. So we're going to do our best to play the game and have fun with it and, and appreciate the fact that we get to play college football with fans, whether they're ours or not. You know, we'll, we'll have representation there. I'm pretty sure of it. And, um, but, you know, at the same time, we, we look forward to the, to the matchup and the, the difficulty of being in, in, in another uh, team stadium. So that, that, that's the fun part of the game. There's BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. When we come back, Donovan Mitchell with the media. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. 
Zone trying to break it down, down, down. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're a third of the way through the college football season. Most teams have played four of their 12 games, but basketball is here. Jazz held their media day, which is now content day. And took off to Vegas, and they are now in Vegas for three days training. Before they took off, Donovan Mitchell with the media. Here's the Jazz star. How in, uh, important is this year for you guys as a as a franchise? Um, I think it's I think it's a big year. I think this is in my five years. I think this is probably one of the uh, one of the biggest for us. I think after you know the performance we had last year in the regular season, you know the work we've put in, and obviously coming up short. Um, Obviously, you know, we weren't as healthy as we wanted to be, but, you know, I think this is a big year for us just as a whole because, you know, we're not not going to sneak up on anybody. You know, um, last year, you know, we weren't necessarily everybody's everybody's eyes, you know, top eight. You know, now we're here and people see us as that. And it's for us, it's we got to continue to do what we do, but come out with a fire and a hunger uh, and an edge that we really, I can't say we've had before. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just feel like on an even other, on a higher level. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, we, we all understand. We, we put the work in this summer. We're going to continue to do it the training camp and throughout the season. Uh, speaking of the work this summer, how much were you able to do just with having to deal with the rehab and the ankle recovery? Um, I, was able to do, I was able to do a good amount. Excuse me. Um, I think, you know, I took probably three weeks of not doing anything, no basketball, no rehab, and just getting my body time to just relax. I think that was big for myself. Um I think that was really a good decision for me because I, I, it helped me when I got back to it. You know, I, that, that fire, that hunger. I was talking about you when you're away from something for so long that you love. It's that you come back and you're ready. You're determined. You're ready to go. And you know, I was able to to go down to to Miami and work with my my team. And I think that was something for me that I was uh, able to accelerate my process and you know get back to being who I am. You good now, 100. percent Yeah, good to go. With the offseason acquisitions, has this team gotten better in your mind? Yeah, show it on the court, obviously. Yeah, I think so. I think we we've we've addressed a few things. I think the big thing we saw in the offseason was defensively we needed you know some different looks. You know, obviously we're all going to get better in our individual selves, the guys who are, who are coming back. But you know, I think you know bringing in Eric, who's a dog, um, Rudy Gay, a veteran who can switch one through five, who can shoot the three ball, Hassan Whiteside, and you really don't need to speak about Hassan. We understand what he brings as far as rim protection. You know, um, I think, you know, he's he's a defensive anchor as well as having Rudy. And I think that's that's fantastic um, uh, for us. And I think we 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 are better, but we got to go out there and prove it and got to go out there and, and do it. When the series against the Clippers ended, you mentioned like that was going to be something you were thinking about all the time. The grocery store line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you like, because I know, I know even when we got to the end of last season, mm-hmm. we were still talking about the dentistry. Mm-hmm. How long does that stick in your mind as a frustration before it turns into motivation? I think it turned, I think the frustration left probably when Milwaukee won, because now everybody's off. Yeah, everybody's done. 
you know, now it turned into, I mean, there's always motivation, I should say. There's always going to be motivation, but I think it turned into from frustration to now, because that kind of lined up into when I'm starting to work back to getting in shape. And, you know, now it comes into your reps. It comes into your, like, that's where that feel comes from for me. So, you know, there's still motivation from, from the Denver series. There's still motivation from all those different things because at the end of the day, you know, we've had, you know, pretty good regular seasons and we've had some great seasons, but we haven't really gotten to, you know, the pinnacle of of the top. And the, the, so for us, it's like, how do we, and for myself, it's how do we get there? You know, and how do we continue to do that, continue to basically get in uncharted territory for a lot of us, you know, outside of a few of us on the team. And um, I think that's that's where that comes in because that's definitely what's feeling me. You know, and I, I said it after we beat, after we lost to Denver, I said, you know, I told the guys on the bus, like, look, you know, let this eat at you, you know, and I think it's the same with this, you know, whether it's, you're supposed to do eight reps, do 10, like and little things like that, just kind of changing your mindset and kind of getting you to a point where you're really uncomfortable, but in a good way, you know, because you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's all that that is with us. And that's what great teams do. You know, they're able to able to adapt to different situations and able to put themselves in positions to win at a high level. What was the feeling when Mike resigned? Was it relief that you kind of knew you were going to be able to compete at that same I, high level? I kind of knew Mike was going to resign. Uh, I made the joke um, on Twitter that you know I locked him in his house like they uh, like they did with um, what's his name DeAndre Jordan. Um, but you know I, I had a feeling, man. It was just we were, and, and I don't know if he spoke on this, but I, I, we spoke on the plane about you know what he was going to do, and you know I think for him, you know he didn't say it, but I kind of felt it. You know, you don't just. You know, you kind of you, you kind of need to run it back. You know, you, you feel like we could have been, you know, playing in the finals. We could have felt like we could have won. You know, and it's easy to say that. You know, when you're removed from it. You know, obviously they put the work. We, those team teams obviously put the work in and whatnot. But you know, I felt like we could we could be there. You know, and if we came back and, and ran it back and continued to work, I think we, you know, we have got willing and healthy for starters, but also continue to do what we do. I think we can get to that point. But it's a lot of work. It's not it's not a given just because Mike resigns that we're going to be back. But you know, it definitely puts us in a position to be there. We got the word a couple hours ago that they've changed some of the health and performance staff this year. Just kind of curious what your level of kind of comfort is with the current staff and kind of how you see that staff working together with your staff on, you know, kind of getting you ready through. And and most of the staff that that's here, you know, I've known since I've been here, um, we've already started working together with my, my staff and things have been great and seamless. Um, so I'm excited. Like I said, they came into Miami, um, when I was down there and things have been moving, moving great, you know, moving forward. And I think that's the biggest thing is just continue to make sure I'm healthy, you know, as well as the team, but myself for my own, for my own sake, I'm healthy. My ankle's good. And I think that's really it. Beyond health, what do you want to do with your game this year? Um, I think there's another level I can get to. I've said that every year to y'all, but I think that, I think it's the truth. Um, I think for me, um, obviously being able to be more efficient, um, not just with when you think of efficiency, you think of shooting percentage typically. Uh, but for me, it's, you know, turnovers, um, it's defense, you know, being able to be when I'm on the floor, you know, your presence is felt, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for me is just being able to be a leader on, on the floor and vocal as well as being able to do it through action. And, you know, I can do it on the offensive end, but picking it up defensively um, as well, I think it'd be huge. Here we talked to Justin Zanuck earlier mm. and he said, that health is the most important thing, mm-hmm. especially for delivering a healthy roster to the playoffs. And that might come this season, especially after another quick turnaround, mm-hmm. um, maybe less minutes to try to conserve these guys. And some guys mm-hmm. might get more rest days, stuff like that. Right. Is that something that you would push back against or would you welcome it? 
Um, I'm all for, you know, ways to make sure we're healthy, you know, especially after maybe if you asked me last year before I got hurt, maybe my answer might be different, but understanding the importance of it and the longevity of being healthy, not just for the season, but for the playoffs as well. Um, I think I'm, I'm all for ways to help, you know, help us become as healthy and be as healthy as possible, you know, but if, like I said, if I'm feeling good and, you know, I, at the end of the day, I trust my staff, I trust our coaching staff. And I think that the great part about it is we've all worked working together. You know, it's not like, you know, here and here we're working together. And I think that's where those conversations come in and, you know, if we're comfortable, we're comfortable. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, for, for fighting for, you know, God, will, God forbid we're fighting for the eighth spot. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know what I mean? But like, I think for us is being smart and then obviously working hard, but also being smart because, you know, it's a long journey to get to the playoffs, but now it's also a longer journey to stay there and, and be at the top and be at your best every day. So it's fair to say maybe that the late season injury might have given you a different perspective on kind of what it takes to stay healthy for that part of the season. Yeah, I think I wouldn't even just say that. I think it's given me a uh, it's, it's I think it's given me, you know, a different perspective and I'm, I've grown to be appreciative of it because it's helped me understand a lot of different things, you know, as far as on the court, it's helped me understand, you know, what I can do to be better as a, as a player, you know, what I can be better as a leader, but also understanding, like you said, like the, the health component, you know, there, we were, we were at a point where guys were at that point in the season, I believe we were at a point where guys were sitting games and do we were doing that in a sense, but I think now it's okay. You know, understanding that, look, we, we want to be, you know, the last team standing, you know, I'm not saying that we're willing to sit in five games, but you know, if it, if it's, if it's what's needed, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing, if it's what's needed, you know, it's not just like, I'm just going to say, that's not in my DNA. That's not my personality. It's not in any of our DNA, the personalities, but understanding that, you know, the goal is to be playing into June. Um, so that that's whatever it takes to get there. How important is this that uh, the team's 100% vaccinated? How important is it? And, and what does it mean to have, you know, that not be a distraction, not have to ask questions about that, and know that, you know, guys are going to be available I think, you know, I think it's great that we're all, we're all vaccinated. I think, you know, um, I think we, we, we've, we've seen obviously on the, in, on the news of, you know, different guys from different teams, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a personal decision, but, you know, I definitely encourage not just my teammates, but I encourage people to get vaccinated so we can get past this. You know, I think that's something that's definitely, um, that's definitely um, important. But for us, I think as a team, I think it's, something that we can continue to, to, to not, sorry, not continue, but we can, we, like you said, be available. We are available and we don't have to worry about, you know, going to, I think it's New York and uh, California, right? I think those are two places that are, you know, you would be running into some issues. So I think for us is um, just being able to be there and be healthy. I think that's, and, and be able to be available. I think that's the biggest thing uh, for us. So um, I'm glad we're all vaccinated and ready to go. How important do you think seating is? Um, I think that's a good question. I think it's, I think obviously it's different now, I think than my first three years, uh, because of the play in tournament. So I think it's, it's a little different because of the play in tournament means, you know, there's, I think it's three through six. No, they're playing for like five days and then one and two don't, but you know, obviously it didn't matter because the Phoenix Suns made it to the finals anyway. But uh, I think for us, you know, you always want, want to be top two, top, top seed in the, in the West. Um, but like I said, 
the goal is to be the last team standing, you know, and there's, I don't know the the stats behind what team is what, what team is what seed going into to the playoffs and whatnot. But, you know, I think we have the personnel to be the top team and we have to continue to put the work in. You know, I think there's going to be a, it's going to be a fight in the West. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, uh, but whatever it takes for us to be the last team, you know, whether that's us being the one seed or the five seed, we're all pushing to be the one. We don't push to be fifth. You know what I mean? We're not we're out here just saying like, all right, let's, let's go be, the fifth seed, you know, and we know that's not the goal. The goal is to be the best team in the league. Um, but on top of that, the goal is to be the last team in the league standing too. So um, obviously we're all pushing to be the, the best team coming out of the regular season. Um, Are you, but then also win. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Are you guys at the point where – you know, the regular – I don't want to say the regular season doesn't matter, but are you at the point where you're just going to be solely judged by by, by what you do in the playoffs? Uh, I I want to say yes because that discredits a lot of the work we put in to get there, you know, I think. But I think there is a point where we've, we've shown what we can do pretty much every regular season since I've been here. We've shown what team we can be. Um, but we we gotta we gotta make this push, man. Like this, it's no secret. You know, we've my first year we had a great season. Obviously, low expectations. You know, obviously losing Gordon and, and and things like that, being underdogs. And then our second year, we we played the Rockets. Another underdog didn't fare well for us. And then um, the Denver series, we really didn't know who we were as a team. We Boyan wasn't there, Mike wasn't there, but we saw glimpses. And then you have last year where we saw what we can be throughout the regular season, and then we ended up not healthy. So. Um, I think for us, we this is a big year for us as far as expectations within ourselves, not even just the, the outside perspective, but just for us. Like, I think this is a year where it's like, look, man, like we, we can do this. And it's a matter of putting the work in for the full 82 uh, and then getting there for the, the final 16 wins. Like, that's 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 what we kind of – I guess you can say yes. That's going to define us. That's obviously where a lot of players are defined in their careers too, outside of the – outside of the, the team aspect. So I think for us, it's like, okay, we, we, we can be this team. We know we can do in the regular season, but playoff time, it's like, look, this is where we got to go out there and prove ourselves. Chemistry is such a big part of this team. Mm-hmm. There's some new faces you're bringing in, but to have your best friend from childhood and how, how much does that help uh, facilitate that chemistry? Uh, man, I think it's, it's, it's great, man. You know, it's one of those things where we had the opportunity to make it happen. And I was like, man, like this, it was kind of, those, it was, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. You know what I mean? I thought I, it was like, man, it was like one of those things like, I'll be great. Oh man, that'd be dope. But we didn't really think it actually happened. And to have Eric here, you know, obviously we grew up across the street from each other, played the same major team, same church, same everything. And they're my best friend to this day to have him on a team, on a team that's already great with chemistry, I think is, is incredible. And he's more of a, uh, excuse me, like more of a talker than I am. <laughs> so I think that's, um, that's what's going to create, you know, bring light to the locker room in, in a sense. And I think on the court, you know, he's going to be there for us, be, be a dog and, and just be, you know, a guy who's, who's there for us. You know, I think about the same token, you know, he's in his third year, fourth year, third year, third year. Um, you know, he's still learning as well, you know, and that's where it helps having guys like, you know, Rudy Gay coming in you have Mike, you have and having the staff that we have being able to kind of facilitate and, and kind of just, be there for us as a whole, you know, obviously I'm five years in too, but we're all relatively young in a sense. Uh, so for us, just kind of having that, you know, and enjoying ourselves and, and living out our childhood dream, but also taking care of business as well. Not to sound crass, but sorry, your financial situation changes significantly this year. You're not on your rookie deal anymore. How does that change life off the floor and then pressure on the floor? Um, to be honest with you, I've kind of felt that that pressure since the year, too. Um, to be honest with you, I think after what I 
did my first year, you know, it was kind of like an expectation. You know, it's kind of you can go one two ways. You, know, you can have be a one hit wonder. You can take off. So I feel like as far as on the court pressure, I don't feel like it's any different. Um, I think, you know, off the floor, I'm able to obviously take care of my family. Like I said, I, I I'm blessed that I don't have to play this game again and be and be taken care of for life. And I'm, I'm truly blessed and honored. But you know, there's more to to it. You know, I played this game. You know, obviously to 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 win, to be a champion, to to be the best player and and I could possibly be. Uh, so for me, that's that's really what it is, and help this team win. That's really my goal. But I don't think it adds uh, any pressure uh, on me. There, there's some different personnel on the roster, hmm. and it kind of, especially with Rudy Gay, gives you more of an opportunity to play some small ball five and play some different looks that you maybe haven't seen, maybe especially last season. Hmm. Are you looking forward to the opportunity to play kind of different style? Side mics back there, but yeah, I think so. I think it definitely gives us a different look. You know, I think being able to not be schemed on one look, I think, is, is definitely helpful. Um, and then having a guy like Rudy, who's like I said, been in the league, he's been on playoff teams, play with Mike, so, you know, play one of our for for so for so many years, play with our, our point guard, um, and then also being able he shoots, I think, it was 42 40 percent from three, something like that. Could, my numbers could be off, but I think that that adding that dynamic, you know, at the five, I think it'd be huge. Um, especially offensively, but also defensively as well. We got time for one more. What's it like uh, kind of re-engaging re with the community or at the BYU games and just starting to open up? Are you like connecting with jazz fans and just the Utah community in general more? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I really wanted to go to that game because I've never been to a football game at BYU. Um, I've heard, you know, but things, and obviously I went to a basketball game, I think it was my rookie year, but school was out our class was out for December. So I've never really got to experience the full environment, but also bringing the new guys, you know, with me as well, being able to have them receive the love and enjoy the Utah fans and understand what their, what this environment is going to be in about, you know, a month. So I think we're not even a month, less than that. Uh, so I think for myself, just being able to be a part of the community, that's always one thing that I've always been, you know, I've been doing and I think I, I enjoy it. You know, it's something that, you know, at the end of the day, it's weird to say, but I'm not too far removed from college. You know what I mean? So uh, it's definitely something that, you know, keeps the child and you keeps the, the happiness going. Cause obviously this is basketball is great, but it's, it's, a, it's business. It's part of life and it becomes stressful at times. It's, it's no secret. You know, we all of our jobs, right? It's just, it is what it is. So for me, just keep being able to be, you know, Donovan Mitchell would also be like, you know, a kid in, in a sense as well. And it also inspire people in, with my presence as well. So that's dope. There's Donovan Mitchell with the media. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Come on. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. <laughs> Second and nine at the Philly 19. Prescott in the gun. The back's on his right. Two receivers split left. Back protected. Time to go. Davies got him in at the goal line. Walk in for Schultz. Touchdown, Cowboys. Third and goal. I misspoke from the three. Prescott in the gun. Elliott to his right. Lamb in the left slot. Snap back. Hand off Elliott. Bang! To the goal line. Touchdown. At the 22, Prescott is under center. On third and one. And they're going to play fake and boot to the right. And the wide open tight end is at the 20, at the 15. Schultz made a move to the five, to the goal line. The touchdown machine. Dalton Schultz erupts. 
Dalton Schultz, six catches, 80 yards, couple of touchdowns. One looked pretty easy, one looked pretty slick right there. So now he's a touchdown machine. Right? Local guy who got away to Stanford. Cowboys roll, beat the Eagles 41-21. Last year, nobody in the East had a winning record, but Dak Prescott's healthy this year, and if he stays healthy... I think the Cowboys ought to win at least 10 games and win that division pretty handily. They certainly handled the Eagles. Big night for Prescott, 21-26 for 238 yards and three scores. Yeah, they look good. Cowboys rolling that one. Uh, the Chicago Bears, who are not rolling, say all three of their quarterbacks, Matt Nagy says all three of the quarterbacks on the active roster, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and Nick Foles, are in consideration to be the starter this week for the Lions. Lions and other news in consideration for the top pick. They're going to have to compete with the Jets and the Jaguars. Ooh, you think they're that bad, huh? Man, it's a mess, and they can't pick a quarterback. They have had games. You're talking about the Bears? Could... Lions have picked a quarterback. Excuse me. Yes, I have mangled two teams in the same division. <laughs> Merge them. Make them the Bions or the Lairs. No, the Bears' defense will carry them to some wins. Josh Gordon has been reinstated by the NFL and intends to sign with the Chiefs, according to reports. He's 30 years old. He's been suspended since December of 2019. And before that, since December of 2018 or 2017. Yeah, he's had some issues, man. Yeah. Came to Utah and never got on the field. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. You know, it was a joint decision for us when he had another year to play as to where he would go to school. And he asked me where, I, where he should go, and I said, who has the best players? And he said, Oklahoma. I said, that's where he should go. <laughs> Nick Saban telling the Manning cast that he told Jalen Hurts to go to Oklahoma. Certainly worked out. Hurts Better than some, hell. Had some success with the Sooners. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Get out of my team. Florida State coach Mike Norvell passionately defending his program after an 0-4 start. Seminoles off to their worst start in 47 years. Oh, yeah, I would defend it, too. We suck. Yes, we do. I told you we sucked, and we do suck. I'm pissed off that we're 0-4. That's the actual quote. I'm pissed off that they're 0-4, and I don't even care. Norvell came on our show once. He was the OC at uh, ASU. Miami coach Manny Diaz defended his program in the school administration Monday after pointing criticism there was not a strong enough commitment to football from the university. Kirk Herbstreit bringing that up on college game day. I seen that, man. I was watching. There will always be somebody with more resources. That's not a Miami problem. That's a college football program with a capital P, but no one really wants to talk about it. Capital P? Why are we, Kevin, why are we capitalizing P? Miami problem. It's a problem. Oh, okay. That oh, yeah. one I forgot school. which word we were capitalizing. Right. Capital that began P. With P. One school's got $50 million more than another school. Yeah, welcome to the world. Former Ohio State linebacker Kevon Pope, who was dismissed from the team Sunday following a sideline incident during Saturday's game against Akron, has entered the NCAA transfer portal. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. I'm still not sure the Milwaukee's actually won the championship. I didn't watch. I wasn't there. I didn't watch the game myself. So I guess I'll go off a basis of there's got to be some kind of proof. I'm going to do my own research and figure out if they won it. Robin Lopez messing around on media day, a.k.a. content day. 
What, what team does Robin Lopez play for now? Uh, Robin Lopez has bounced around. That will require me looking it up. Was it Washington? Well, they both go to their computers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it will require me looking it up. He's currently with the Orlando Magic. Okay. Allegedly. Though roughly 90% of the NBA players are vaccinated as training camps open, tension exists around the league. Oh, yeah. With everyone else mandated to be attention. vaccinated, but the players not, because they've got the union, and the union says it's a non-starter. There are about 40 unvaccinated players, although Justin Zanuck said the Jazz are 100% vaccinated. Very, very good for them, I guess, if that's what you're wanting, and that's what you got. I wonder, do people want us to talk about, should the NBA be vaccinated? Mostly, I think the answer is no, but when it comes to players not playing, then the answer becomes yes. I think it needs to have a real direct impact on the court. Now, Kyrie Irving's a big name, and the Nets are a favorite, and so that has thrown it to the front of everything. Uh, but I'm wondering, how much does our listening audience want us to wade into social issues? Not that much. Because you could say that, while well, they should be vaccinated, because people will die. But can you say that, well, we should stop serving alcohol because people get in cars and kill people? Well, this is where it turns into a discussion. The government makes laws about what happens and, you know, how much uh, you can be 0.05 or 0.08 or 0.10. But if you go anywhere down that road with vaccinations, it's an issue. And now here we go into a vaccination talk. I, I don't I don't know what to do. I got mine, but I don't I don't know what other people should do. I don't I can't say that. Kareem Abdul Jabbar says they should be banished from the league if they're not vaccinated. That was what the unnamed anonymous trainers and assistant coaches were saying in the SPN story about the tension with vaccinated oh, and vaccinated. Sure, yeah. But then we're led to believe that all Democrats want vaccinations. And most black folk are Democrats, right? I think the so Democrats are, are running people? around yeah. 85 or 90% in their vaccination rates, depending on what you read. And yeah, but that's not high enough. <laughs> I realize. For Kareem okay. Abdul-Jabbar in the I NBA, know. it's not for 100% a lot, or get out of here. That was, there were plenty of quotes from people who will be around the teams and have young kids at home who have asthma or taking care of aging parents and high-risk groups, unvaccinated kids who are under 12. So you read the story. I did. All well, right, I didn't read all of it, but oh, it was a long story. You should have gotten read through it, man. I read a big chunk of it. You yes. try to keep yourself socially aware. I know, but I got I got worn out. So you might be able to quote stuff from the end of the so story. So you didn't go to the jump? 65, 70 percent. Where are we going? The equivalent of the jump now is pulling down below the double ad. Like one ad, I yeah, know there's I one you. copy, good but call. when there's two ads, yeah, I think call. it's done. Good call, good call. The jump being a newspaper term, if a story starts on one page and it goes to the other page, they called that, back in the olden days, the jump. And the study showed most people didn't follow the jump unless it was really compelling. And you compared it to wading through ads, which is probably the most accurate uh, comparison out there. Might be the most accurate thing I say the rest of the day. Two hours and 46 minutes to find out. Well, do the Bears have a starting quarterback? Or Don't start with me. <laughs> Guilty. There, fine, I said it. All right, and the big money. Oh, I thought of you when I saw this. This is a you classic. Of yourself. 
Why? Because you just said big money. No. <laughs> Please. <laughs> big TVs, big The money. Denver Nuggets give Michael Porter Jr. five years and $207 million. If he makes one of three All-NBA teams this season. Otherwise, he'll get five years, $172 million. They're giving him the max. And now we'll just see if he qualifies for the Super I Max. I wouldn't think there'd be any chance he would make that. Right, but by rule, it's out there if he does. And I get your point. I would bet against it, too. But it's out there if he does. But bringing home $172 million guaranteed to play for the Nuggets. Wow, man. It'd be the second at, or third at, best at, guy. At best, you're the third. And he's a nice player. This is why I thought of you. But this is exactly the discussion we've had. 25 years from now, is anybody going to remember him? Maybe Michael Porter III. His defense is horrendous. So the MP- David Locke has told us that on if many was, occasions. It's David Locke. If he go-to. had a son and named him Michael Porter III, then he'd be MP3. Not bad. Which you know is a uh, I got it. Yeah, I do. In the yeah. MP3. Yeah, you got the MP3. I don't know what MP stood for. I don't think it stood for Michael Porter, but that's pretty something sure you're to keep right. aware of. Pretty sure you're right about that. <laughs> Whatever it stands for is probably not Michael Porter. And he won't take home $172 million, half of it in taxes. But you're well, still taking home 80 or $90 million. Well, yeah, with your guy in there, maybe 60%, 70% oh, it taxes. Could go down, yeah. AOC and these people. How many? How, mu- how much you want to tax my money? <laughs> Why'd you go Godfather? That was a little, that was a little <laughs> pesky. Maybe that wasn't Godfather. <laughs> it was Casino. <laughs> Did you know? Pesci, childhood friend of Francisco Castelluccio, who is the elite singer, aka Frankie Valley. There it is. I did not know that. <laughs> of Jersey Boys? Yeah, Pesci was right there in my, my area, man. I probably bumped into him a few times. Hey, what's up? <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The right-hander delivers, Schrock runs, and Votto swings and hammers one deep right field. Way back there. It is way out of here. Oh, my God. To the back of the sun deck in right. A two-run shot for Votto, his second of the game. Here's the one to Hanniger. Swung on, driven deep to left. And looking up and watching it fly. There it goes. Home run, Mitch Hanniger off the out-of-town scoreboard. A three-run jack for Mitch Hanniger. Back-to-back plate appearances with three-run homers, and the Mariners take the lead to 11-4 over Oakland here in the sixth. And Seattle goes on to win 13-4, just kind of a partial schedule in Major League Baseball, Seattle. Partial scores, Montreal three. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. It's a George Carlin routine. It is a George Carlin (laughs) routine, and a good one. Seattle and Oakland both chasing the wild card. Oakland uh, running out of time, running out of games. Mariners are a game and a half behind the Red Sox. They need to beat out the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. they got a couple teams to jump to get in the playoffs, but they got the win. The big news for the playoffs, the Giants, who did not play, Brandon Belt broke his left thumb. His availability for the final week of the regular season in the playoffs is unclear. They're going to meet with the doctors over the next couple of days to cover, develop a recovery plan and timetable for his return. I hear broken thumb. I 
I think a couple weeks minimum. Well, if his timetable is March, then it doesn't really matter. Right. That would suck. Yes, that would be a bad loss. That is a great season. Yeah, that would be a bad loss for the Giants, obviously. Salt Lake Bees wrapped up their home season with a 6-5 walk-off win in 11 innings over the Sacramento Rivercats. Bees open the final series of the season tomorrow night in Tacoma. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, will join us at 730. Frank Dolce, our Ute insider at 805. And Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver at 905. That's all ahead on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with a post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Our question of the day, when BYU joins the Big 12, should it continue to play Utah and or Utah State. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair is 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. So, time for your Hot Takes. BYU in the Big 12. Should they play the in-state game? Should they play the youths? Should they play the Aggies? And the responses are all over the place, PK. Dave, does a bear bleep in the woods? Tyler, of course. where the bear is. Of course not. Of course, what the bear ate. Yeah, two good points, right? The bear could be out on the prairie. I mean, if you drop a deuce, like Jalen Hurts said last night, you, you, and you move on. That's that's literally what Jalen Hurts said. Tyler says, of course not. That will be the beginning of their 27-year run as national champions and their 35 consecutive years of Heisman Trophy winners. How will they have room for loser programs like Utah or Utah State? It's going to be tough. Yeah, I agree with that. Big dose of sarcasm there. Dan, on a serious note, says Utah State should be at least every other year. They love the rivalry as much as BYU. Utah wants out of the rivalry. So ready to just drop it. Well, once they join the Big 12, the level of needing each other will be mutual. BYU needed Utah more these past 10 years. Because they needed 12 games. And that was an easy game to schedule and, and cheap. You know, you can bus up there and save money. And you get a packed crowd and usually a decent game and national television and all that stuff. And uh, But, yeah, I would tell Utah 
If they don't want you play you, take a hike. You find a sexier name, we're going to find sexier names. Because if you want my body <laughs> and you think I'm sexy, come on, Utes. Let me know. If you think it. If you really need me, just reach out and touch me. Come on, Utes. Tell me so. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Scott said you'll be begging to play a Power 4 school once the Big 12 is dropped from the power grouping. So Oklahoma departing will make them lose their Big 5 status. Well, Oklahoma must really be something. I mean, look at all the national championships Oklahoma has won here recently. That that Oklahoma defense, which you know, the Chicago Bears are envious the Chicago Bear defense probably would have given up 36 to Tulane in the opening game <laughs> of the season. Yeah, well, that D's tightened it up now. 13 <laughs> to West Virginia and 16 Nebraska. They're bringing it. They're bringing the pain. Yeah, well, and then, then Tulane should get in the Pac-12 then. Uh, Back to the SEC for Tulane. So I just don't put that much stock in the conference dropping because Oklahoma's leading Texas. I think we're I think we're I think we're headed to a new era here. I think that six conference champion and twelve team playoff idea as we sit here now, I think that's got a decent chance of happening. And that's gonna take away the need for all the logic that rules the day now with scheduling. I don't know what the logic is with scheduling. I do think that the non-conference with the Alliance coming, scheduling non-conference games against the, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC could get difficult. Not necessarily impossible, but difficult. They'll have their 10 games set, and who will want to play you for an 11th? For those wanting BYU to go away, I've got bad news for you. Not going away. The Big 12. They're here, <laughs> and they're going to be better than ever. What level better means? Remains to be seen, but they're going to be better than ever. This is going to have a new day in Provo, Utah. The Big 12 shouldn't hurt recruiting. It should only help it, you would think. All right, DJ and PK, hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. We will get more of your responses coming up. Right now, it's time to talk Utah football with Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Nick, good morning. Good morning. So, Nick, this has obviously been a couple of really difficult days for the University of Utah what can you tell the fans who woke up to this news and were shocked? I mean, they don't have the personal relationships that obviously fellow players are going to have. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something, you know, you never want to hear. And, um, you know, sadly, you know, you hear it twice uh, in under a year. And um, it's just it's, it's tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about that. This is obviously a big-time tragedy, and we all recognize that everyone is going to die. But I look at myself, you know, I had a friend when I was 11 years old die. But then, it seemed like for many years, the, the, the pattern of death was, you know, grandparents when they were elderly and all that. And that's at least some degree of uh, understandable, because it's the natural order of life, is that it ends in death. We understand that. 
But when young people go, particularly when you are a young person and one of your peers goes, that changes the dynamic completely. And I know for you, Nick, personally, you've had that multiple times because you've been out front with the, uh, I don't know if he was a younger brother or an older brother, but uh, you've dealt with that. How are you dealing with these unusual tragedies that young people, someone your age, shouldn't have to deal with? Um, you know, it's tough. I just, uh, my main thing is making sure other people are taken care of. Um, you know, I, I, I fully understand everything. Um, it was my older brother who passed away. And, um, Ty and Alo and I've had a bunch of friends growing up in LA and, um, you know, it's a reality I've come to face with, uh, from a very young age. And, um, my dad always raised me to take care of people. And, um, you know, it does suck and it does make me upset. But I mean, if I uh, start breaking down and, um, you know, doing, breaking down, crying, feeling bad, then I mean, I can't take care of other people. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I, I, I take care of myself, but I think it's more important to make sure, you know, the people around me who are hurting, like when my brother passed my mom and, my family, and then, you know, and then I'm Aaron and Ty and everyone, um, the players over here are taken care of. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I deal with it, is just, you know, making sure everyone else is okay. Well, there is certainly, uh, there's certainly power in healing and taking care of other people. You know, you help yourself when you help other people, and, and I do believe that. But, you know, you you got to take care of yourself, too. Yeah. You know, absolutely at this point. Um, you know, as one of the leaders on the team, and I, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. Every person and, and every group deals with, you know, grief in different ways. Um, d- does it help to get the team together now? Does it help if everyone has some some time apart to kind of try and process this as much as you can? It's it's obviously a shock and it's brutal. Um, but, but how do you handle as a group going forward as far as, you know, you've got the normal routine of, film and practice and all that stuff does, mm-hmm. does that stuff help or do you need time away from that and how do you guys handle that you know everyone handles it different um as a group right now we're continuing on because we know that you know ty and Ayla would have wanted that and want us to continue on chugging and um you know just be great and um we all understand that's the best way to honor them in their lives is you know to continue you know continue on pushing because both of those boys face a ton of adversity in their life. So I, you know, they, they for a fact would want us to, you know, see this adversity and continue on because, you know, that's both of their life stories was just um, a battle of adversity. And um, it's good to be around each other, um, you know, so you can lean on each other. Everyone's checking up on each other. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, so it's a really players led program and, you know, a brotherhood like, honestly like no other and um, there's times like this where it shows because you honestly see how hurt people are by this and you also see you know how much other people care and you know take care of each other you have a bye this week obviously and you know football seems uh, trivial in certain times particularly in in a situation like this but this might be the most appropriately timed bye ever in the history of college football because I'm not sure 
how you would play a game, but you do have time off uh, this week. Would you agree with that assessment? Um, I guess it's not something really I really like thought about or would even say. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I hesitate to even ask you about football at this point, Nick. I got a million. I got a million football questions, and I, I feel like it'd be disrespectful if I asked them. And at the same time, uh, you know, we can hear the pain in your voice, and I feel like I need to change the topic. What would you prefer to talk about? I don't usually ask guests that, but I think uh, in this situation, I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get we get talk about football. We can talk about whatever. I'm pretty, um, you know, I'll be able to handle whatever it is. Um, All right, but yeah. Well, a little, a, a little football then. I'm, I'm curious what you thought when you saw the, the – I don't know if you watched any part of the USC game. You had an earlier game in the day. So, But if, just watching the film or seeing the score, your reaction to USC and Oregon State? Um, my overall reaction would be um, it's a crazy game. <laughs> and uh, OSU is a good program. Oregon State is a good program. Um, you can never – honestly count them out um they're the tough team who's usually the underdogs but if you let you know that little light come through they will take advantage of that and uh i think it showed can football be a therapy for you and your teammates in situations like this uh yeah for sure i mean most of the time you know this is an escape for people um, especially coming out to Salt Lake and, you know, playing football is like, it's an escape from all of this. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, what it is. Um, it gives you a time, you know, to lock in and focus on things um, outside of it because, you know, once you get into the walls, it's all ball. You got to focus on whether it's your weightlifting or film or football, whatever it is, you know, um, because everyone is dealing with a lot of stuff in their life. And, um, you know, we've been coached, to, you know, when it's, it's time to go, it's time to go. Um, you know, there's always a time and place to mourn for things and be upset about things or address things in life. Um, but football for sure is like some type of uh, distraction. Yeah. What uh, you, this is a bye week. And obviously with the tragedy, it is an unusual bye week. What's your schedule? Uh, we got a. a it's a good schedule, you know. Practice, lift, film, uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, just usual, you know, bye week. You gonna have a chance to uh, go home here, or the guys have a chance to go home? You individually, or the guys as a group? Uh, I'm gonna stay out here. I don't know what uh, anyone else's plans are. I kind of usually just lay low, especially when season comes, or even like summer comes. Like that, I I go home in like May, and then I'm here for the rest of the year. You've been in the program a number of years. Uh, where are you on the academic ladder? Are you, are you done and working on graduate stuff? Where Where do you stand there? Uh, yeah, so I graduated twice. I got a, a BS in um, psychology and uh, criminology, and then I did a bunch of um, prereqs for med school. So right now I'm kind of just taking easy classes because there's no way you can do med school and yeah. you know college football. So. <laughs> yeah, we understand that. What kind of medicine? Yeah. What kind of medicine are you interested in? Uh, anesthesia. 
Yeah, I remember talking to you as a freshman, and you were talking about that. Uh, I assume there's going to be a service. I, I think the team went, or most of it, correct me if I'm wrong, when there's a Ty Jordan situation there. Is that going to be the same thing here? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, we just got to work out all the details and uh, see how the cards land. Well, Nick, we appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for coming on in really unusual and uh, painful times, but uh, we appreciate it. For sure. Thank you. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Man, you really hear the suffering right there, PK. So, well, yeah, why would agony. you? It's agony listening to him. I mean, it's just twice in, in nine months or ten months, whatever it is. It's nine, just nine months shocking. And, nine months in one day. Yeah. One, one would be shocking. And one, then, one, one was shocking. <laughs> and then have two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe for them. This is a galvanizing thing, not to say football is a savior by any stretch, but keeping busy, they say. Uh, yeah. these, for some people, I mean, everyone's different. I, you, I don't know that you can apply a, a, a one grieving process uh, fits all, uh, but maybe for some, the opportunity to be together and to have a goal, at least maybe during those times of practice or games, it might be able to divert your mind. I'm sort of stabbing here. I can't say it works for 105 people, but maybe for some it does. And it's, it, The thing that always bothered me, oh, this puts football in perspective. Mm, I didn't need stuff like that to have perspective. It's a game. It's for fun, uh, at least from the fan perspective, you know. They play, they try, and if they lose, so be it. You know, we've seen a number of people here, as social media becomes more public, uh, we've seen people go after people. Uh, the Max Hall thing with some shirt, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? Well, I actually heard that uh, on Arizona radio. They were talking about that because Max is an Arizona kid uh, on on that situation. And to, uh, maybe that is something that could be put in perspective uh, to knock off the nonsense. But yet again, here I see it's like it's almost like daily now. Fights in the stands. I was about to say, I was yeah. waiting for you to come up. Like, yeah. you don't need to put in perspective, you got it. But when you see some of the behavior at games, and just sometimes it's two people, sometimes it looks like it's 10 or 15 people just swinging wildly. Yeah, it's like regular you, now. You went Maybe to it, it was before, but now everything is with filmed. video, right. Yeah, a lot of that's alcohol fueled, and those the, they tell you, you know, we, we, we don't tolerate this behavior, and that'll be 12 bucks for your beer, please. You, know, you, you tolerate making the money, uh, and then maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe it would be snuck in either way, and and there's nothing to prevent it. I don't know. I don't have any answers to this stuff. But maybe all that, all the shenanigans, uh, could stop. And I've seen sober people do it too. So you can't just blame it on that either, and realize you know this is just a game here, and have fun with it. And when it's over, it's over. If your team wins, great. If they don't, uh, feel sad for a bit and get them next week or next year or next time, whatever. That, that, that's the way I look at it. I've never really taken it seriously. It's for fun, and and that's it. And then and we debate topics, you and me, and we go after each other. But it's sports. It, 
it has no bearing on anything really in, in that way. Now, for the people involved who are their livelihoods are on involved, that's a different story. But 99% of us is, is for fun. And, and when the youths take the field, I'm sure there'll be some type of memorial for SC. And then they'll come back, uh, what, in three weeks. I think they got the Devils over the UEA weekend. And, and they'll do something there. And I don't really care if it galvanizes the team as far as winning, but I never really cared about that anyway. If it does, great. But I don't know that it... If you win a football game, I don't know how it washes away the pain. I, 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 maybe it does, but for me, I, it's hard for me to understand that. Only to a small degree, you would think. Maybe. I don't know. Right. I can't speak, especially when you're young, because I think it, it upsets the natural order. If your 80-something-year-old grandparents die and you had a close relationship with them, you're sad. But that's the way it's supposed to be. Having buried multiple 80-something-year-old grandparents and having had a friend from high school die the summer between a freshman and sophomore year of college, one-car wreck, yeah, absolutely. There's a difference there. Uh and these kids now, man, they're Nick Ford losing a sibling. I wasn't sure. I knew he lost one. I didn't know if he was older or younger, and he said he was older. Well, that, that, that's, a, that's a kick in the chops right there. And now to come up here. Fortunately for him, you know, he's on the other end of college. So there's a level of maturity as opposed to a 17- or 18-year-old who is away for the first time. Uh, and one of your teammates goes down like this and dies. Wow, I mean, that's stunning, I would think. That would be very difficult. Not that it's easy for Nick, but he It's he not easy for anybody, maturity. but, yeah, being older, I think we all recognize how much we changed from 18 to 20 to 22. Yeah, and he's been on his own now for a number of years. And I remember interviewing him because he, I saw that he came from San Pedro High, a school that I lived by, a school that I covered, and had many people that I knew went there. My stepmother-in-law went there, graduated uh, Hold on a second. Step. <laughs> yeah. Mother-in-law. Got it. Okay. My father-in-law's second wife. Yeah. They, they were my parents. My wife's parents were divorced. So, uh, yeah. And she was a Pedro. That's how we all ended up there because my father-in-law lived there. And when we, I got the job over there, I lived, we moved over there and to be close by him. So that was, that was, uh, you have to, you have to thank Ed and Irene Hummel because that was my stepmother-in-law's parents and they settled in Pedro. You follow me? I don't know why, and yet I do. <laughs> I have no idea why. So I remember interviewing him as a freshman because I thought it was funny. Yeah, in it was. A sense. I, I remember and, talking and, to him. And, yeah. and he was talking about medical school as a freshman. And I think he redshirted that year, if I remember correctly. So uh, he didn't even play, obviously, but he was talking about it. And here he is going forward. And I would agree with him. I've never been in that situation, but it would have to be extremely difficult to be a football player while going to medical school. I couldn't imagine that with all the demands, plus him being one of the leaders of the team. And the team's in a good spot with him being one of the leaders, for sure. All right, DJ and PK, we are going to take a break. We've got Frank Dolce coming up in about 20 minutes, Utah insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. We'll talk with him. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach at BYU, Kalani Sataki. I got to tell you, Coach, if I would have had these built bars when we were at BYU, I would have got better grades. You know, Hans, whenever I hear the word hangry, I think the definition of it should be your picture because when you were in college and you were hungry, you were probably the worst guy to hang out with. And we just knew that to throw you something to eat and you would be in a better mood. Imagine if you would have just had all these protein bars available to you. You would never have a day of being angry at all. You had great grades and you would have had a great experience overall because we know one thing. When Hans is hungry, watch out. Everybody tread lightly. I'm hungry! Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, the question of the day. Looming in front of BYU. When they join the Big 12, should they continue to play Utah and or Utah State? A lot of people are just saying yes. You got a lot of people are just on board with it. They like rivalry games. They sent us GIFs, a.k.a. GIFs. The dog nodding yes. Nicholson looking manic. Oh, yeah, yeah. nodding yes. The little kid at the Penguins hockey game. (laughs) Looks like he's two years old, raising a fist and hollering. Yeah, he's totally into it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. That's a classic. It's available. Right, yeah. Yeah, what I'm hoping is that they go drop down to eight conference games and open up a fourth non-conference. I I didn't hope that before. Or to go to ten doesn't seem like that's the way to go. Uh, You know, unless, unless you were... Playing if you were an 11 team conference and you played everybody, that would be kind of cool, but that's not going to be the case. So, for me, I think Utah should do what it's done. And if they've got other stuff, go ahead and do it. So, more rare on that one with BYU. But I think BYU, if Utah State agrees to it, I think they should put them on the schedule every single year. Because since they've gone independent, excluding last year, of course, because the circumstances were bizarrely different, Utah State has been on BYU's schedule every year as an independent. So they had a more difficult time scheduling the games. But Utah State stepped up, and it was beneficial to them, too, and said, we'll play you every year. So from they started 2011... To 2019, you can't count last year. They were on the schedule last year, but we know what happened. That Utah State was on BYU's schedule every year. It's the only team that has been on BYU's schedule, unless I'm missing somebody. Boise State. No, I don't think Boise State played in 2011. Oh, the first year that it hadn't kicked yeah. in yet? Right. I, I looked it up, because I'm writing about it. Yako posted on 1280, and my buddy Josh Furlong will post it on uh, KSL, and we'll get, and I make a buck of page view, so I intend to get rich. I'm taking the old lady out for dinner this weekend off to this puppy. And uh, so I looked it up. They did not play because they had that cream puff schedule. They won 10 games that year, uh, that first year. But Utah State's been there. So I think BYU, if Utah State's agreeable, should reward that loyalty and play them every year. And then if Utah, or in this case BYU, for what we've seen from Utah, they'll play BYU unless they find a sexier name. And then they think they need to drop BYU. Right, they did it with Michigan. Yep. They're doing it with Florida. Yep. So That's Michigan, two and, Michigan yeah. and Florida are sexier names than BYU. So they're dropping BYU then. So so with the alliance, then uh, you assume that this continues on. The years they draw bottom feeders from the ACC and the Big Ten, they play BYU. But the years they draw the big dogs, they don't. I assume uh, that's how it's going to work going uh, that's forward. That's up to them. Yeah. And 
Utah State also allows BYU to play on the Friday before the church conference. A couple years, they played them in November when BYU's November schedule sucked. So in my mind, my line of thinking, Utah State's been very loyal to BYU. And I think BYU should return that loyalty if Utah State wants it. We will reserve a spot for you every single year. Any year you want to play us, we will reserve a spot for you and play. And we'll do the home-and-home home because we know it's a big, big deal when we go up there. And we'll see that Friday night. It's a lot of fun. It's a great game. The home-and-home and, home and the two-for-one has been a sticking point before. I would do home-and-home home myself, but, you know, whatever they agree to. Um, Since it went to independence and it's kind of settled into the home-and-home home routine. Yeah, and Utah State's been loyal. Right the, They've been loyal to BYU. Right. In the 90s and 2000s. So there Tom were, only had to schedule 11 deal. games instead of 12 because Utah State's been there. Utah hasn't been there. They've dumped you because they had a cuter day to the prom. Wolverine! That's the reality of it. It is. I'm not saying it. I mean, I say it harsh, and I'm East Coast uh, aggressive. So Right, people, but it's in the books. The contracts are, are done, and there it is. Those are facts, man. So if they don't want to play you, or if BYU says we don't want to play you, I can live without the game. The funny thing is, there's so many ding-dongs out there. Oh, we need the game. Well, the game wasn't played, and I'm still employed, so I actually I don't need the game. I'm not from here. The game means nothing personally to me. None of your games mean anything to me. They're games. <laughs> Jersey there. <laughs> so that was a dumb argument, but I like that people make that argument because if you're going to argue, that means you're invested. There have been many arguments made that were dumb arguments. But keep making But them. thanks for listening. Yes, that's the bottom line. Yeah, Absolutely. If you respond to what I say, I win. <laughs> we've been doing it long enough now that we've had to deal with almost everything. Yeah. The Jazz have been good, the Jazz have been mediocre, and the Jazz have been bad. Yeah, so BYU they, has been good, bad, and mediocre. If they don't want to play, right. don't play. But I would stick with Utah State. I get what you're saying about 8, but I don't think that's the way it goes. I think 8, 9, and 10 are all in play. Any of those could end up being the right answer. I think 9 conference games is where most are are headed. I do think there's a little pressure in the Big 12 with some of these schools rarely, if ever, having played each other. If you're going to be a conference, building some rivalries, so I won't totally rule out them going to 10. I would think they settle on the number 9. But I think 10 might make more sense than 8. Or they might just settle on 9. Well, if you want a rivalry, uh, if they have two divisions in the Big 12... And I assume, and I don't know what they're going to do there. They haven't gotten to I, that point. I think divisions have to go away. Uh, okay, if new okay either way, either coming. way, it doesn't really matter. Okay, that if you want a rivalry, then you're going to keep a conference title game, right? Yes. So then play Cincinnati three years in a row in the conference title game. That'll get a rivalry yeah. going. Yeah. I don't know how the other ten schools will create their rivalry. Yeah, but if you want BYU <laughs> to have a rivalry in the Big Twelve, that's the way to do it. Have big games and take something away from each other. That always fires it up. a lot on sta- at yes. stake, which would be the conference title game. played. Right. Play, and I'd but, pick, I randomly pick Cincinnati. Right. Uh, BYU's history with a lot of these teams is one or two bowl games. Maybe in the case of Cincinnati, a couple of regular season games. But Kansas, The Oklahoma big blue State. machine versus the big red machine. <laughs> There's not a lot of history. I don't know that Cincinnati's red, but the reds used to be. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank Dolce is coming up next.
DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Frank Dolce, Utah Insider and Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controllers. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Frank, good morning. Hey, DJ. Good morning. Hello, PK. Frank. Frank, I got one question for you. <laughs> yes. What was that Sky Ridge coach thinking at the end of the first half the other night, man? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> as it turns out, there was a little miscommunication. I think the the uh, the true story is so. For people who weren't watching that game, Sky Ridge and Corner Canyon, Sky Ridge had a fourth down <laughs> deep in uh, their own territory. And um, and Corner Canyon was starting to take control of that football game. Sky Ridge needed to make something happen. So on fourth and long, in their own territory, they decided to go for it, at least make it look like they were going to go for it. And so they started doing a hard count. Well, all of a sudden, here comes the snap, and the Sky Ridge quarterback rolls out and throws it out of bounds. Oops. <laughs> And, <laughs> and and turn the ball over on downs. And I think what was supposed to happen was uh, Sky Ridge give a hard count, try and draw a corner canyon offside, take a timeout or a penalty, and punt the ball away. Gotcha. But but the snap uh, in, was inadvertent, inadvertently made, and and then um, you know one thing led to another. But DJ. We now call Frankie D. We call him Jim Gray because he had the walk-off interview at halftime, and he stepped right up and asked the tough question, like you know that big <laughs> thing Jim Gray did with Pete Rose, mm-hmm. and everybody got upset. So now it's Frankie D. is now Jimmy G. <laughs> well, I hope it wasn't inappropriate. I no, it I had to be to asked. That, yeah, I just that's a horrible thing to have to ask it because everybody's like. I, you know, and and clearly, even the coaches were probably saying, "What in the world <laughs> just happened?" So, Corner Canyon's pretty darn good. I mean, um, they, yes, we if, are. If someone, yeah. If someone <laughs> plays, if someone plays a perfect game, and Corner Canyon makes a couple mistakes, oh. which they they can do. You mean like the Utes? Oh, geez, yeah. If they play a, nice a perfect segue. game, they can beat Corner Canyon. If. If the youth play a perfect game, they might have a chance against Corner Canyon. Yeah. Or BYU? <laughs> Corner Canyon may be the best team in the state. I mean, Corner, I think, you know, the talk about winning the South of the Pac 12, I might give it to Corner Canyon. <laughs> you know, they can handle Arizona and Colorado. Oh, for sure. And the <laughs> yeah. Devils will just yeah. commit 82 penalties, so they got them. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, man. These teams can't stay out of their way. And especially the Utes can't can't keep the ball off the ground. Do you remember giggling quietly and averting your eyes in horror as the Pac-12 North went 1-5 the first week? And now it turns out that might be the tougher division. Oh, it's the tougher division. I Ugh. think the South, is, the South is a mess. Um, Oregon State shot right up in my book. I mean, they, they look, I, we, I don't know anything about USC still. They're under duress, but, but uh, Oregon State looked really good. 
uh, I like the way that they played, and Coach Smith has that team, seems to have that team on track. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they're kind of in the conversation um, at the end of the year. I, I'm still a little soft on Washington. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, Washington broke out. I mean, they didn't beat anybody. So <laughs> I I just think that's that's – I'm still – Still kind of soft on that on that program. Oregon still looks like Oregon still looks like the team. Washington State clearly beatable. So and Stanford, um, Stanford is. I mean, Stanford is is going to be one of those roller coaster teams. It seems like to me, one week they're going to be really good, and one week they're going to get beaten and and probably end up somewhere middle of the middle of the north. So I, I still think the north is the more powerful of the of the divisions, the South just seems like a mess right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. But with that in mind, I think that obviously this isn't Utah's strongest team. So if for no other reason that you're not as bad as the other teams or as inconsistent as the other teams, now it remains to be seen that they will or won't be. We don't know that. But go ahead and win it because uh, even if you're just not as bad as the other teams, what difference does it make? And then you're looking, you really can't count last year, at least I don't, and you will have won it uh, three out of four, or if you don't want to count last year, three in a row. So even if it's not your best team, the opportunity is there, so why not take advantage of it? Oh, no no question about it. To me, there are four teams that could win the could win the division. Um Colorado and Arizona are just—they're not going to do anything. They—they won't be in the conversation at all. Uh, maybe they'll win a game somewhere along the way, but but uh, they're, I just don't think they have anything anything going this year. So right. So there are four teams that I think have a, le- a legitimate shot at at winning the South. I guess I would put. I guess I would put Arizona State up top, but it's like kind I of like not, uh, not yet. I'd go with the Bruins. I don't know. Yeah, I Bruins mean, got the two the, best wins in the in the division the right now. It is LSU and Stanford on the road. So I would I would put them. I put out my Pac-12 South rankings the other night, and I had uh, the Bruins number one, and then I had a three-team tie for fifth and a two-team tie for sixth. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. I think you could do. Um, I think you could do a four-team tie up top and a two-team tie at the bottom. I mean, I think you could figure, like, those uh, those four teams, anyone can win the division out of those four teams. Uh, just any given any given Saturday. Utah could beat UCLA. I, I don't think there's any question. Utah can beat any of the teams in the South. I don't think there's any – I don't have any question about that. Agreed. Utah could lose to every team. It, well – Lose to at least. You well, know, they're not going to lose to the bottom two contenders, right? So, so uh, it just depends who it, who has their who is on their game you know, on that particular matchup. So, you know, maybe Dorian Thompson Robinson throws three interceptions against Utah, and Utah figures out a way to hold on to the football, and they win that game. Right. I mean, I think that's going to be that that kind of is is going to be half, how it has to go, and I think Utah could harass. USC, I mean, USC has shown its weakness. Arizona State, kind of like you said, shoots themselves in the foot. So maybe you just have to wait around until they make a mistake and then yeah. you just take advantage of it. Right. So, but, but Utah's in the same boat. I mean, Utah could put the ball on the ground three times um, and, and, get, and then be, be bad at the line of scrimmage and get pushed around a little bit. I mean, they've shown that. So 
it's just a, the, the South is really is really funny this year. I thought the offensive line did a little bit of pushing around against Washington State, and I don't want to build Washington State up to be all that. But for an offensive line that hadn't done enough of that, the O-line couldn't control how many times the ball hit the ground. But the O-line did open holes, and they did get rushing yardage. So baby steps, but that was a positive. I think it's positive. I think you're right. And sometimes you need to beat up on beat up on somebody a little bit to figure out that's how you do it. And Utah hasn't been able to do that until Washington State at the, at the offensive front. I still think there are issues up there that need to be corrected. And Utah was still subbing guys at that, trying to find, find the right five. So I, I do think they took a step forward there. I, I did like the way they ran the ball, especially at times. Um, but like you said, the, the, the three fumbles put a real damper on that afternoon. And if you don't have those three fumbles, maybe you're talking about Utah scoring another 14 points, and then the game looks a lot different. And maybe you don't come out with so many questions. But, but the three fumbles are critical. And uh, if that's going to be a continuing trend, then Utah's just going to r- really struggle to win football games. What did you think of Rising? Somewhat uneven. I thought he might be better in his first start this year. I think we were all hoping he would be better because um, he he did so well against San Diego State, or he provided such a spark against San Diego State. And so, I mean, I think the expectation was probably that he would come in and throw three touchdowns and throw for 250 yards and you know, 65, 70% completion, all the all that good stuff, be really secure with the ball. And he looked uneasy. I thought he looked uneasy. Uh, he did some good things. There's certainly stuff to work on. And, I, I, you know, I just don't know what goes, goes into that. If he was uptight about the game um, or, or whatever it was, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a lack of preparation. So... You know, I'll give him a passing grade on that one. Uh, it seemed like he just did enough. But but for Utah to be, I mean, I think the formula is still the same for Utah. Powerful running game, get the running game going, beat up the defense at the line of scrimmage, high-efficiency passing game. And now I really like that Cam Rising brings the ability to run the ball from the quarterback position. I think that's... That I, I think that puts the defense, you know, makes the defense really uneasy. So if he can clean up the passing a little bit um, and get to that 60, 65 percent completion, um, use his legs, be secure with the football, I think Utah has a pretty good shot. Um, it's just it's just cleaning that stuff up, and and then that's the other thing I was saying. Like it still needs to be cleaned up at the offensive line. I'm not sure that Rising has a you know, 100% comfort level behind his offensive line. I think they've just been they've just been a little soft up front um, to to gain that trust of the quarterback. So we'll see. You know, I mean, obviously they have an off week this week, but we'll see how it goes on the next outing. But that that offensive line still needs a little work. So how do you sort out the running backs after they seem to have run through pretty much all the running backs? <laughs> The truth is, I would start Pledger, I think. <laughs> I mean, he seemed like, and who knows, I mean, it could be the time of the game, or it could be that Utah just figured something out. 
I don't know, but he just seemed like the most dynamic in that game. And so I think he's earned himself a spot, and he certainly didn't put the ball on the ground. Uh, I think Mackay Bernard is super steady, and that was kind of an unfortunate, unfortunate deal. I don't know what to think about Tavion Thomas. I mean, it, it seems like every time he touches the ball, it's coming out. And I know that it came out after the play, but it's just like it's become habit. And so he seems like a super talented guy. And maybe you try and find him reps when um, in less critical kind of offensive series to get him some confidence. But uh, at this point, it seems to me that Pledger and Bernard would be my top two guys. And I might even lean toward Pledger because he was so dynamic against Washington State. How do you think that when it's time to play, you've got to play, right? The game is going to be scheduled. It's trivial in the big picture relative to a player dying. But how do these guys shake that off? Because, man, what a tragedy, and I don't know how you do that. No, it is is tragic. And, you know, we've been thinking about it a lot, obviously, and, and all of the circumstances surrounding it. Um, you know, with with the the link to Ty Jordan, and I mean, it's all it's all um, it's just strange and tragic, like you said. So, but I think that that uh, these guys to be in a in a in the middle of a team in in the middle of a, a season, in the middle of a team atmosphere with all of your guys around you, I think that's going to be really helpful. For all of those guys to work through all of this, whatever they're, you know, whatever they're going through right now. And guys will manage it, manage it differently. But if I had to manage something like this alone versus managing it with, you know, 85 or hundred other guys, and I'm pretty close to, I think I would rather have a, a group around where we could work through it. And so um, as tragic as it is, this may be the best, case scenario for the team to work through something like this and and try and figure out how to uh, move forward appropriately and and honor um, low and his memory and and figure out a way to manage the rest of the season it's it's just a horrible horrible situation and it just kind of hangs hangs all over you i i was in a situation in high school um when uh, we had, there was a player on an opposing team who had a heart attack in the middle of the game. Uh, or, excuse me, right at the end of the game. They they called the game, and he ended up passing away. And, I mean, that's just something that, that it just hangs on you for the rest of the year. I mean, it's really hard to shake that. But um, But to have a bunch of other people who are going through the same thing around you seemed like it was pretty helpful. Frank Dolce joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, I want you to address the question of the day. BYU is joining the Big 12. We don't know if they're going to have 8, 9, or 10 conference games. I would guess 9, but there's an argument for 8 and 10. Should they continue to play Utah and or Utah State? What do you think? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm always a fan of the in-state rivalry, but uh, like I I like to see Utah play BYU, and I like to see Utah play 
Utah State regularly. I like those games. I think those are fun games to 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 be a part of. So yeah, I'm in favor of it. But I don't. I also don't feel like if one of the teams takes a year off or wants to schedule something else for a year or two years or whatever and take a break, that doesn't bother me at all. Like I have, I'm completely indifferent about that. I don't understand. <laughs> the rivalry craziness that you, you know, you have to play every year. And if you don't play, then you're ducking somebody or whatever the the argument is. I feel like the rivalry games and the in-state games should be regular occurrences and maybe only take, uh, you know, a a two-year hiatus at the most. But if there are other circumstances that arise, and you have an opportunity to play somewhere else or someone else or something that's meaningful for the program, then by all means, go do that. And, and then we'll re, you know, you, 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 you start up the rivalry game when it's appropriate or the in-state game when it's appropriate. So uh, I like it. I think it should be played regularly. I have no issue when it's not played. Frank, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Hey, great to talk to you guys. Yep, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider. Hear him on all the shows all week long right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach at BYU, Kalani Sataki. I got to tell you, Coach, if I would have had these built bars when we were at BYU, I would have got better grades. You know, Hans, whenever I hear the word hangry, I think the definition of it should be your picture. Because when you were in college and you were hungry, you were probably the worst guy to hang out with. And we just knew that to throw you something to eat and you would be in a better mood. Imagine if you would have just had all these protein bars available to you. You would never have a day of being angry at all. You had a great grades and you would have had a great experience overall because we know one thing. When Hanson's hungry, watch out. Everybody tread lightly. I'm hungry! Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays presented by Stonehaven Dental. Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams. Yes to x-rays. New patients, flexible appointments, say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. All right, question of the day. BYU's headed to the Big 12. They're not going to need to schedule 12 games anymore. They're going to have a conference schedule. That's a minimum eight games, maybe nine or ten. It'll be booked. So, what should BYU do with the Utah and Utah State Series? In-state rivalry games, who's up for them? I think they should tell Utah, don't call us, we'll call you. Well, Adam does say USU, yes, Utah, poo-poo, and beneath us. Yeah, now we'll have that. I'm so looking forward to that rivalry now intensifying between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 in our market. The only market in the country that will have the Big 12 and Pac-12 in it. I like it. Yeah. So there'll be that constant rival. Constant conflict. So many topics. Yeah, because a lot of those places, you know, Oklahoma, for instance, you had, now they'll have the SEC going forward. But I don't think that the Big 12 is going to look at the SEC and say, we're better than you in football. 
So there won't really be a discussion there. But for years, it was the same conference like it was here. Right. Like it is in Los Angeles. But in Texas and Oklahoma, some of those debates will continue on, depending on how good the local teams are and how good the conferences are. But we're assuming right now that with 16 teams, the SEC will summon up, with all that money, national contenders every year. Right. So it's going to be hard to talk the league down. Any individual teams can fall on hard times, but somebody else ought to rise up. You got too many brand names with big and budgets. And they're paying yeah. outrageous amounts of money to get the results that they get. So, yeah, it's going to be. Maybe it is in Alabama forever, but it'll just be replaced by somebody else. Auburn or Georgia or Florida or LSU or Oklahoma or Texas or Texas A&M. That's a lot of big brand names and big budgets. Yeah, for and sure. And maybe somebody gets it going in the other half of the league. But if not, well, somebody's got to be the bottom half of the league anyway. Right. But here, going forward, it'll be fun to just bounce back and forth between these two leagues in football. Basketball will settle more of itself because a lot of these teams go to the NCAA tournament. I think that you look at uh, Oklahoma, I think the Big 12 sent seven, and they only had 10. There was only 10. I think they said seven of the 10 went last year. Oklahoma was like nine and eight in the league, maybe 16 and 11 overall, and they still went to the tournament because of the strength of the league. So when uh, we went down to BYU for the announcement, Bob Bowlesby, the uh, commissioner. Uh, Bob, 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 Bob Bowlesby. I had mentioned on the air, well, they're <laughs> always top three, and, and plenty of years they're the best conference in the country. But they're always top three. And then he listed. They're better and, than the Atlantic Division sometimes. And then he was having, right? <laughs> and you told, don't let him break down the Atlantic. No, Gordon told me. Yeah, I know. Gordon, Gordon told you, yes. Yeah, like in 2002. Don't let him break down the Atlantic Division. That was an unfortunate segment during the lockout. Those were, <laughs> those were troubled times. I remember it well. I was like, DJ, did you just... Yeah, I think I did. I think I did. I'm guilty. But Bowlesby pointed out, they've actually been one or two. They haven't dropped to three. No, they're really good. The Big good. Ten and the ACC are the only leagues I think of on par with them, and it turned out that one of those leagues had been better than them, but not both in the RPI over almost a decade. Right, and that gets settled in the tournament. Yep. Well, football is far more subjective. It's fluid discussion. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. I look forward to doing sports radio in two years when that thing happens in 23 uh, going forward here to just banter back and forth between those. And I have an obvious bias towards the Pac-12, so I certainly want to see them do well, but you've got to go uh, the do where it's due and all that stuff, the credit where it's due. And so if the Big 12 is better, so be it. Uh, but we'll have that fun stuff here. But as far as BYU and Utah, if I'm U- B- BYU's perspective – I award the loyalty that Utah State has shown. They've played them every single year. They didn't play last year, but we understand those circumstances. And they allowed them, they scheduled in November multiple times, I think in 15 and 16. I remember when we were talking to Matt Wells about that. And then obviously the Friday night before the church conference weekend, which is what we've got here uh, this very week. And it's fun. It's a tradition. It's carved out a tradition that works because BYU and Utah for decades was at the end of the year. Then they've moved to the first game. Then it's the second game. Then it's the third game. Then they move back one year there. Well, 
generally speaking, overwhelmingly, BYU, Utah State is that Friday before the church conference. And it's like, okay, fall is now here. These, <laughs> these two teams are playing each other on I Friday night. I cannot describe October as summer no matter how hard yeah. I try. Yeah. We can linger in September. Yep. But when they play, and then we know we got church uh, hours upon hours on Saturday. I don't know how you guys do it, but good for you. And uh, then you do it again Saturday night and then Sunday, and and it's become a tradition. So I don't know that you can keep that tradition because I don't know what they're going to do with the Big 12. You may have to move it because they may just say, tough BYU, we're going to accommodate you no Saturdays, but we ain't accommodating you Friday. <laughs> I mean, no Sundays, I mean. Uh, we're not going to accommodate this. This is this is conference weekend has a new meaning now. <laughs> it means we're playing a conference. I don't know that. Maybe they can. I, I expect that discussion was had before they joined the league. I expect there'll still be a Friday night game. TV partners like Friday night Yeah, but I'm talking Utah Monday. State. I, yeah. I, who cares if it's, if it's not Utah State? I mean, we care, but I'm talking about the tradition that Utah State has established playing BYU on that Friday before the church conference. If it's a conference game... So be it. Yeah, BYU can yeah. play Friday. But it's been cool that it's been Utah State. You can set your watch by it. You mark the calendar. Okay, fall is here. We're in October. These two teams are playing. Then there's church here the next two nights or two days. And, and you just know it. I mean, it's, it just feels like it's the thing to do. I would like to see it continue. If it can't. All right, so be it. But I would be awarding, if Utah State is wanting to it, allow them to say, if you want to play us every year, we're going to play you. I have more loyalty from BYU's perspective towards Utah State because when we were independent, they were there for us. Utah wasn't. If they had a sexier name, sorry, can't play you. We can play Fresno and Michigan or Wyoming and Michigan, but well, hell no, we can't play BYU in Michigan. That's just too they don't realize it by they're by saying that. They're just telling us, man, BYU is really good. So the the fan some of the fan base tries to discredit BYU, but your athletic administration is saying hey, they're too tough when we play Michigan and Florida. We can't do it. So you try to discredit them. They're a nothing piece of crap football program. Meanwhile, your administration is saying, no, they're really good. We can't play Florida and BYU. No way. That's way too much. We got an Aggie fan here saying they should play, but he's ready for BYU to freeze Utah State out. Utah State at Iceman, at Jack Dunbar, ancient history. Here's why they stopped playing Utah State the last time. Maybe this is why BYU wouldn't play us again. And he sends us clips about all the stories that were done about the breakup of the Skyline Conference and oh. Utah State getting left behind in the whack. Now, I mean, you're going on half a century plus. plus Skyline years, Conference. Hey. You Skyline. Sh- now, you 1962. Okay, I'll take it from Yawk, but I won't take it from you, PK. You love people who hold grudges. This guy's holding a grudge for decades. I don't know what the grudge was. I mean, I and I'm not interested in knowing, so I don't know about it. BYU and Utah departed the Skyline Conference in 1962 to form the WAC. It's been that long, and they're holding the grudge for that. Well, long. I wish BYU would have held the grudge towards ASU then, because they left and they wouldn't have lost the other day. So that'd been great, but they yep. didn't. BYU is a forgiving community. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> You're so pleased with yourself. <laughs> 
<laughs> Give him a minute. <laughs> so, I think they owe Utah State the right for Utah State to reserve to play BYU. If Utah State says yes, they oh man, they were there for you. Utah wasn't there for you. They played Michigan. They couldn't play BYU when they played Michigan. It was just too tough. We're not that good of a football program. They're, they're incriminating themselves, and they don't even realize it. That was exactly the message. But they weren't that far removed from five and seven seasons, and they anticipated BFD. difficulty moving it. I get the Big Michigan, fetching deal. I get the Michigan deal. And Michigan deal. was five and seven the one year. Right, but when you schedule it, you don't know that Brady Hoke's going to run the thing into the ground Okay, and but at the, the same time, you don't know that they were I, one year removed from five and seven. You can't have it both ways there, Sniggy. I get the Michigan thing, what I the Florida thing. Like, now you're good, and you've had a run. You've got the runs, yeah. And it shows. you walk away from the rivalry. You've got the runs. The history dictates you've got the runs. Stop saying that. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm just following up, concurring with what you're saying. No. I am too. No, I think you saw a chance for diarrhea humor, and you ran What am it. I, in junior high? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'll just hold my hand up and plead guilty. I've laughed at a lot of junior high jokes. I'm not going to say I haven't. I've never, I never went to junior high. Middle school for you? No. What'd you do? St. Peter the Apostle, one through eight. Oh, okay. There was no such thing. Got it. You just continued on until you were done with eighth grade. Uh, so I, I don't have, I, I never experienced junior high. Uh, so I would, ha- I would reward the loyalty if Utah State wants a reward. If they don't, I think it's a great recruiting pitch for Utah State. We're going to play BYU. And not like that other guy. We're not going to duck him. Hall for Heisman says, keep playing Utah. Sorry, yeah. Utah State. But they're only three to four non-con games every year, so Utah State gets dropped. Yeah, but if Utah doesn't want you, you don't. you're not in the position now of having to beg them. I was going to say, you can yeah. easily move If I'm on. homo, I say, hey, Utah, screw you. Okay, maybe not that strong. Why not? <laughs> Say what you mean. I got tired of them going on, well, you know, we understand. Why don't you just say, no, we don't understand. This is ridiculous. What's the matter? You can play Michigan, but you can't play us, and you claim your big boy football? I'd rather they speak the truth than be so conciliatory and uh, Ooh, conciliatory. friendly and all that stuff. Screw that, man. We don't need you. On you. Be the best press conference ever. Yeah. We all go down there. Oh, and BYU no, fans no. would we, love it. We all go down there. <laughs> this would never happen. But we go down there. Tom takes the mic out of the stand. says, so be it. Bleep them. Drops the mic and well, walks off. you can't off. swear takes down there. Takes no question. Even no, though he plenty could say of bleep. them do swear. He could say bleep. But you can't. The, the, the first row guys in the suits would get all upset. And the old church ladies would get all upset. Furious. Except for uh, when they were the ones doing it. Yeah, but meanwhile, the rest of them do. I know plenty of Mormons who drop the S-word. I'm calling it like it is right now. <laughs> Which S-word? I can't say it. Just messing with you. <laughs> what do you mean, which? There's multiple S-words? The Rory McIlroy word. Yeah, that one's, that one's not okay. <laughs> he can't go all Rory on you. Go full Rory. 
the didn't, full Rory. I like that. Didn't Isaac Rex's dad get suspended? He did. Yeah. Because he Bleep told you. He Bleep told, you all. He told to about 27 Hawaii fans scattered through the and end And they zone. deserved it, didn't they? What were they doing to him? I don't they know. They provoked him. Cascading Come on. Cascading booze down upon him. How dare they? I always thought he got a bad break. If it hadn't been such high production quality, plenty of broadcasts wouldn't have had mics in the end zone. He got a bad him. break yep. for violating the honor code. Wouldn't have he heard. got a bad break. Wouldn't what have heard. How about individual responsibility? <laughs> he got a bad yeah. break. How about plenty of players have blurted out that word on a football field and not had it picked up by a microphone? So that makes it right. Gosh, I wish I was your kid. Bleep. <laughs> DJ and PK. Coming up, we get <laughs> discussed with Dylan Cauley. Words he heard on the football field at Hawaii. We'll be here in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson positive for BYU. If you look at it on paper, the rest of their schedule, I'm not saying that they're going to do it, but I would expect them to beat every opponent left outside of Baylor. You're confident with that. Boise State, I'll listen to the argument there, but I'd still probably pick BYU at this point. They're getting a lot of support from their crowd, and the Boise game is in Provo. Washington State, I'd certainly pick BYU. UVA, I'd pick the Cougs. Idaho State, Georgia Southern, certainly pick them there. And USC, it's a mess. So outside of Baylor, I would actually expect BYU to beat the rest of the teams on their schedule. Wouldn't that be something if they followed up what they did last year with, say, an identical record. That would be rather amazing. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. In-state football games. You know, one thing we've, we've kind of referenced this, we've talked about it in the past, but not today. There's a lot of arguments for the in-state games. One of them is obviously the sellout crowds, the passion, the excitement, ease of scheduling. When you need a Friday night game on conference weekend, there's a lot of them. But it's six figures, maybe it's a little over six figures, to schedule a charter. Get a road game you don't need a charter for. It's like two jobs. We just had a bunch of layoffs at a bunch of businesses, including ones that employ you and I. And we saw it at schools. That's you and me. You and I. You and me. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> I have to drop the you and that trick from middle school that you didn't go to. It's a couple of jobs. Hundred grand is nothing to sneeze at. Maybe it's one hundred thirty grand. I Although know you sneezed at six hundred grand. No, I was stunned into near. No, silence. no, you didn't sneeze at. 600. No, I did not. Wow, six hundred. Six hundred grand. Wow. No, no, that no, that was a sneeze. You kind of went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you saved the school six hundred grand. Six hundred thousand. Wow. Yeah, that, wow. that wasn't near. Wow. The response should have been wow. But no, well, I was stunned. No, you weren't. That's not stunnation. Okay, I will handle my emotions. You assigning me on my emotions when they were clearly just audibly heard there. <laughs> Paycheck is why I live in Utah. Bingo. Yeah. Yes, and that's multiple high-level paychecks. I might add. Accurately. I got a big TV. Of course you do. Yeah, I think it's you, man. It's unbelievable. And the Armani suits? Out of control. <laughs> Armani suits, you got so many of them, you just carry them around town randomly. Oh, man. You carry suits around. Who carries their suits around town in crosswalks? You do. Yep. <laughs> About 100 degrees out. Didn't want to sweat on the Armani. 
Why? You were probably only wearing it three or four times and then throwing it away. I don't want to look bad the third time. (laughs) (laughs) Think it through. Pain in the ass. You know that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I just want to be clear. So rude. You try to be a loving friend, and that's what you get back. What? Ease. What? Why even try? I agree with you, man. It's going to be cost effective. It's fun. Community loves it. I think most of the fan bases love it. I think most of the fan base for Utah wants to play BYU. Yeah, and I think most of the people who complain about it love to have it to complain about. That's interesting. Play the games. Beating BYU is far more fun than beating... Random fill-in-the-blank school. Yeah, Northern Louisville, Illinois. Northern Illinois. <laughs> it doesn't resonate. No. They played a great game once upon a time with Louisville. Nobody ever talks about it. And plus, <laughs> it's also easier for you as a fan, obviously, to go to that other team's stadium. Yeah. Extra game you get to go to if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. And there's nothing better than winning in your rival stadium. Quieting the crowd is always good. And the that's only thing the that sucked crowd. about 77 last year is there's nobody there. Yeah. No crowd to quiet. Yeah. A few years back, the uh, I think it was, it might have even been a Thursday night, the Utes went down to Sun Devil Stadium and just kicked the crap out of the Utes. And one of the Ute people was saying, oh, look at this, man. It was a Thursday night. Look at this. There's n- nobody here. All the Sun Devil fans have left. Well, yeah, because they're getting drilled. Yeah, right. And it's a school night, work night, and they can go home. So why would you stay for a beating? It only stands to reason. The place will empty out. Yeah. Like when they went back and played Michigan that first time, there was a big lightning rain delay. Yeah. The Utes were killing them. And the only people who came back after the delay were the Utes Because fans. they didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. They, didn't, they couldn't go home. So if you win on the road and blow out a team, those fans are going to leave, so it's something going to be more every, fun. Every TV director knows the game is getting out of hand. There's nothing left to say, nothing left to talk about. Everybody knows where it's going. There's the shot of the crowd, and you see the people walking up the aisles to the tunnels. And that's fun. 54-10 to 10 came down in Provo. Where? Down there. And so I can't remember the game. I remember all the fumbles and stuff and the turnovers. But I'm, my guess is most BYU fans said, the heck with this. And so UU fans stayed right to the glorious end. And you can't do that when you're playing, as many of you can't do that anyway, somebody else. So there's all sorts of advantages. But at the same time, BYU and Utah, they don't need each other. Now, in two years, the level of needability is the same. And it's not there. It's only if they want to. And if they don't want to, hey, I'm fine with it. Well, there is a certain trend that we've seen with the Utes, and I do think it'll come down to who they're getting assigned and how far out they know who they're playing. Why? What the heck's the difference? Because they really do want to manage how hard the schedule is. And you're well, right. The difference might three be— dogs. And the dogs. Di- well, I was about to say, they'll play the 10 Alliance games, a Mountain West team, and a Big Sky team. Then call and it good. Sorry, we can't fit and, you in. And the Mountain West team, as we've seen for a decade, won't be Utah State. 
They'll play San Diego State. They'll play Fresno State. They'll play San Jose State. Wyoming. They'll they're going to make a trip to Wyoming. Wyoming. How freaking stupid is that? How about Hawaii? <laughs> How about BYU and Hawaii and Utah in Hawaii so it doesn't count as the 12th game? You can play 13 that year. Yep. I like it. Except there goes the bye week. Or maybe you can schedule it in that week zero thing. Open up earlier. Do it. Or do it the Friday before April conference. <laughs> the ultimate spring football game. <laughs> right? Against the rival in Hawaii. Yeah. Do it the, April, the Friday Other before the April conference. Other sports get to conference. do that. They send out their press releases and the spring softball. How unusual yeah. would that be? You do it the, the Friday before the April two-day church stuff. I like it. Come on, in this day and age, in this day and age, you got to be innovative. BYU, you're all entrepreneurs down there, right? The football players are sociology. Everybody else said we got two majors, sociology and entrepreneurship, right? Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, will be joining us here momentarily. The Cougars, a perfect 4-0, and ranked 13th in the country. Getting ready for a trip to Logan to play Utah State. Yeah, he's off to a nice 3-1 and start of their own. Time to welcome in Dylan Cauley. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Dylan, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. I wondered if you were happy, if you were excited, if you were a little, uh, maybe a little jealous. Offensive line with a perfect pocket quarterback with just no pressure on him at all, picking out receivers 40 yards downfield. Does that kind of stuff make you salivate? Absolutely. Every single time. <laughs> did you Fun to watch that too. Did you notice that it seemed like they were willing to go deeper, to go deep more often with Romney than Hull? Or am I making that up? Uh, I think it was I think yes, absolutely. And I, I, I think you go off of the talent level of the defense, right? Um, and, you know, I think that was probably one of South Florida's biggest, uh, you know, biggest struggles was the ability to stay one-on-one with those guys. And so knowing that, hey, it's a weaker defense and they don't have a lot going for them, I think if it was Jaron in there or Baylor, they, they would have gone down the field a lot more. Okay, so you think it was just the defense, not the quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So did it bug you the second half watching uh, the long drives, or did you think, well, it's 20-6, to six, it's largely over at this point? They never had the ball with a chance to tie the game. I mean, to be honest with you, I think there is the, like, the fun of it, right? I mean, like 100 100- – I was very surprised to wake up Sunday and see that BYU was ranked 13th um, due to right like the way in which they won. Now you add in the factors and you take the injuries, right? You take the difference in quarterback, which 
I'm not saying there's a huge drop off between the two, but, um, you know, I thought, Hey, in order for us to be able to move up in those spots, we need to win by at least three possessions. Um, so I think what that just kind of shows is the tides are changing on what everyone's, what the outside, right. Believes about what BYU is capable of and, and how good of a football team that they, they really are. Um, do I wish it would have kind of the momentum would have stayed in our favor? Absolutely. I think that would have been more fun to watch, but ultimately, right. When you know a team is just going to kind of sit there and waste their own clock and, you know, kick on side kicks uh, in positions they don't need to. Uh, I think you can just kind of hold on and say, all right, let's just keep everybody healthy and safe. So in your mind, when Hall's ready, he's a starting quarterback? Absolutely. Right. 100%. But I do, I, but once again, right, there, there is something to be said about having three Division One quarterbacks in a room. Right? Like, you look at the talent across the board. Baylor could go you know, pretty much anywhere. And he could start at any Mountain West school. He could start at, a, a, you know, even some of the, like he could go to a Wake Forest and start. Um, like Baylor is an extremely, extremely good quarterback. Right now, I think the better fit for BYU's offense and going off of what A-Rod and Fess know, you know, what is best for the offense today is, is Jaron's that guy. How much experience did you have? What was your experience with the BYU Utah State rivalry? Um, growing up, growing up, it wasn't uh, obviously that was a different time in Utah State with Utah State, right? And then, so the wagon wheel just wasn't that it wasn't that focused on because of the way that you know Utah and, and BYU stood. Whereas when I was at Hawaii is when things really started to pick up and I get right. Like it was a huge deal. It was a much bigger deal. And so seeing it through the lens of, you know, my friends who Quinn Ficklin and Roman Andrus who went to Utah state and played there um, and seeing it through that lens and then being able to watch that game and see how Utah state kind of, you know, dominated quite a few years. I think it's really turned a corner and, um, the the way that I felt after we got absolutely trounced by Utah State um, my senior year at BYU, like it, it did have a different feeling to it, and and not seeing that just in the meeting room all the time, you know, because uh, when you get the wagon wheel, that thing stays at the very front of the meeting room all year long, and there hadn't really been a time growing up when I'd go to BYU that the wagon wheel wasn't there. My freshman year at BYU, the wagon wheel was there. And then kind of coming back and seeing it gone and not having it be a part of the day, uh, it, it, leaves a, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth, especially when you know it's, it's what's expected. So going forward in a couple of years when they get those uh, when they get in the Big 12, obviously they're going to have a bunch of conference games remaining to be seen, 8, 9, or 10, whatever it might be. So the opportunities for non-conference games are going to be limited. If you had to choose between Utah State and Utah, who would you choose? Utah. No question. Even though they have chosen not to play you and Utah State, it says, yes, we'll play you every season when we're an independent and we need games. And Utah says, nope, not doing it. Yeah, 
because <laughs> it's an opportunity to go back and right. As much as people don't want to say it, like it's still a huge part of the college football rivalry, right? Like it is a rivalry, and you know, I think that it is a game that should be on both of their schedules forever. I can hear people just grinding their teeth. Others screaming at the radio right now. <laughs> but you, you're not even hedging a little bit. What a collie. <laughs> no. no. No question. No question. How could you not want that game every – like, just just think about as, as much as – forget the and, – and I'm just speaking as a sheer college football fan here. Yeah. Right? Do not get rid of that game. That would be bad ball for the entire state. What is that? I mean, all it does is, you know, if you want everyone to come together, you know, and cheer each other on. But in regards to rivalry in college football and where this place stands in college football scope, right? Now, adding BYU to a Big 12 conference and you've got three very successful, you know, programs, right, in the state, along with very successful FCS schools in the state. I mean, it's it's a college football haven, but for the history and maintaining and, you know, it's not like it's ever going to be just a bad game. It's going to be a phenomenal game, especially when BYU starts adding, you know, the Big 12 experience all the time. Right. I think the thing would be that they blew you off. They blew you off for Michigan, and now in your final two, uh, well, not in your final two years, but going forward the next two years before you go into the Big 12, which is only one year, but anyway, Utah has blown off BYU to play Florida. So it's like, yeah, we'll play you unless we find a better-looking date to the dance. Right. So screw them. uh, I was going to call you Austin, but screw them, Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But right now we're ranked 13th. So... So screw yeah. them back. Yeah, I like it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, if you want to look at it, they can think they, it can always be this blow-off thing. It can always be this BYU's just not there yet. And, you know, I think last year we were ranked above them as well. Yes. Um, and this year, too. No. Oh, so what and you're then, saying, it's no longer a fluke. It's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh man! All right, so you've got uh, you've got that game going forward. You would play that even if they go to like ten conference games. You, I mean, you don't care. There's like there's no scenario. I can sit here and list scenarios, but I'd just be wasting my time, wouldn't I? Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, that, that game, that, and that's just once again, right? Like it is a personal football fan, BYU fan, like bias on that game, right? Like it's. It's a uh, it's an important game. I think it's important for the schools. I think it's important for the state. And uh, you know, it's it's big time. So last week uh, we didn't know it at the time we were talking to you, but you said unequivocally that the Utes should have uh, gone with Rising early on, and then it turns out that uh, after we get done talking with you later on. Brewer literally quits the team, and they're going with Rising because the other guy just walked away. Said, "Nope, I'm I'm done here. I'm out." So, with that in mind, you're getting your wish. And I saw that uh, you'd uh, 
we're included on some of the Twitter stuff. You never said that Utah would have beaten BYU. You just said it would have been the complexion of the game would have been different. You didn't, as far as I can recall, you didn't right. say that they would have won. You just said the complexion of the game. So you got your cho- uh, your your way by for the Utes as far as that goes. Starting rising now. We didn't necessarily see a stellar performance from him last week, and they've got the time off this week. Uh, what are you expecting as far as the Utes being better offensively now that Rising is going to be the guy? Yeah, I think you look at, you know, and, and first of all, right, you look at what a team like Utah is going through right now. Yeah. And to, you know, and, and, and I you you go back to the, the cliche of you know the the prayers and support are out to the Utah family and Aaron Lowe's family and um to uh <clears throat> sorry <laughs> to lose two teammates within a 12 month span without even you don't even look at the uh scope of Right, whether you knew the person, whether you were locker mates with them, whether you were best friends, there is a there is nothing harder for a team to lose teammates. And so, when I genuinely say, right, I've been thinking about the Utah team, thinking about the Utah community for you know the, the entire week. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that you can do going forward, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who the head coach is, is find ways to, to hold on to each other. And you make that the focus of your life and your football season to ensure that everybody around you is taken care of. Um, the wins, the losses at that point, it just really doesn't matter. You want to make sure your teammates, the staff, uh, and everybody is in a place where they can function together and, and no one goes out of sight at that point. And so with that being said, right, you have the opportunity to put yourself in a place where you're not thinking about anything because, right, it is a very, it's a very, very numbing feeling you put yourself in a place where you're thinking about nothing but your Utah family and Utah football. And that's the momentum that will carry them, I believe, through the rest of the season, through the rest of the Pac-12. Um, and ultimately, I think they, they have the ability, they're in a position to where right, I think they, they run the tables and have the opportunity to go and play, uh, play in the Pac-12 South Championship. When you start talking like that, I think for Ute fans who just saw the most recent game, it's a little hard to believe. But on the other hand, right. if you've seen all of the recent Pac-12 South games, it's not that hard to believe. It's a pretty underwhelming group right now. Absolutely. And, and that's why you can say that, right? And you know, with the addition of Cam Rising coming in and the two weeks off, I think there is a really good opportunity for him to come and take control of himself to be able to say, okay, this is my team. This is my time. I don't have anything to lose here, right? 
Like, there's nothing to lose. And so he can just go in and play in a mentality that says, okay, let's just go have fun. Let's sling this thing around to what is available to me, right? Um, I think that he is – he. I mean, the kid – the dude has an incredible level of talent, right? It's just, I think, in watching him, right, it's the mental – trusting himself, trusting his teammates, and knowing that he's in control of the situation and that it's his team to take over. Um, and once he does that, and I think the bye week and the two weeks kind of gives him that opportunity personally. And so hopefully he can kind of come in and keep the momentum. And, yeah, he's going to make some mistakes and things are going to, there's going to be growing pains, but they, they have the talent, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball to do it. Only worry being the offensive line. Dylan, we'll leave it right there with you. We appreciate the time and the opinions as always. And Tom Homo will take all of your scheduling advice under consideration. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. Have a good one. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm still not sure the Milwaukee's actually won the championship. I didn't watch. I wasn't there. I didn't watch the game myself. So I guess I'll go off a basis of there's got to be some kind of proof. I'm going to do my own research and figure out if they won it. That right there is Robin Lopez messing around on media day as the NBA gets going. Yeah, I don't know get where get where he's going because his brother was on that team. Yeah, I guess so. And then do your own research sounded like vaccination humor, and he just he's playing around. Yeah, rolled it all into one. I'm just here to mess around on media day. Okay, got it now. The Denver Nuggets and Michael Porter Jr. have agreed on a five year designated maximum extension. He's going to get $172 million for sure. If he makes one of the three All-NBA teams, it bounces up to $207 million. Ah, the essence of the NBA, PK. Where you can get rich. <laughs> Have height, get money. They don't want to lose him. If he helps them win a championship, then which it he, was worth it. Which he won't. Standing alone, that looks like an enormous amount of money for a guy who's had health issues and doesn't defend. But he can score it. And who else would they get? So they roll the dice with him. He's there and he's paid. Yeah, he's not exactly rolling the dice. He's locked in and good to go. Actually, he can roll the dice as much as he wants because it's going to be hard to go broke. Wow, man, that's so much cash for maybe an above average player. But I wouldn't put him anywhere near an all-star. And they might as well put me as, uh, I'll get a raise if I make uh, one of the three all-NBA teams. Because I think I got as much chance as he does. 
Yeah, he doesn't look like he'd be anywhere near that, you wouldn't think. But nonetheless, those are the rules, and it's out there. Jazz are off to Vegas for three days, then off to San Antonio. You ready for preseason basketball? Doesn't matter if I am or I ain't. True story. Sure. Fine. Start your season. Monday, October 4th at San Antonio and the 6th at Dallas. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm not going to make any judgments based on anything. It's meaningless for the regular season. But get guys out there and get started. I'm glad that the season is under its usual calendar that we've known for so many years. I like that. Haven't seen that for a while, but we get it again this year. Major League Baseball calendar is uh, counting down. Brandon Belt, broken left thumb. His availability for the final week of the regular season in the playoffs, unclear, but broken thumb doesn't sound good. And he's had a good year for them. He's been a big part of what they're doing, so that is a big blow for the Giants. 29 home runs, career high, 274 batting average, 59 ribbies. I don't know what they're going to do to replace him because it's not like Orlando Cepeda's walking through that door. Orlando Cepeda ain't walking through that door. Willie McCovey is not walking through well, that see, door. Will dead, so Clark he's not. is not. I'm just listing famous first baseman in Giants history. Well, then don't eliminate J.T. Snow. If it wasn't for J.T. Snow, Dusty Baker's kid might be dead. Scooped him up at home plate. Runner coming home. Look out. Cowboys handled the Eagles. That was a piece of cake. 41-21. Dallas looking like the class of the NFC East. Everybody else is figuring it out. They got a good quarterback. Everybody else is a work in progress. Oh, for sure. I think that if he stays healthy, yes, they definitely are the favorite in that division. I don't think there's any question about that. Pencil them into the playoffs. The only question will be 10 wins, 12 wins. Where are they going? How many wins? And what will they be seeded? But the postseason looks like theirs for the take. And they're 2-1, and one, and nobody else in that division has a winning record right now. Right. Bears, three quarterbacks on their roster. Any one of them might start against the Lions. Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Nick Foles. There's just no telling. Trying to keep the Lions off balance. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Chicago for decades. Can't figure out quarterback. And our question of the morning here, the Cougars going to the Big 12. They're not going to be scheduling 12 games. Now they're going to have to pick and choose. And we don't know, 8, 9, or 10, what the number will be for conference games. But whether they have two, three, or four non-conference games, how should they prioritize the Utes and the Aggies? Who should they play? Who should they not play? What should they do? Advice. It got ugly here, PK. We got one, we got one, we got one fan and another fan. You shut your mouth. <laughs> why? I don't know. He's not speaking, but Why? Oh, man. Why, why is he supposed to shut his mouth? <laughs> it's, uh, it's Facebook, and it's harder to follow the thread. I don't oh. have that for you exactly. If it were Twitter, it would be easy. Uh, Brian says, yes, why not? Everyone else in the Big 12 is in the Midwest or East. They need to maintain some geographical rivals. Well, that's a fact. They are in the other time zones, right? Yep. As of right now, anyway, there's nobody in the mountain time zone. Nope. If they go to 14 and the Broncos get in, then that would change, but... And there's at least three off the top of my head that are in the Eastern time zone. 
Uh, West Virginia, Cincinnati, and UCF. Yeah. Tanner says, of course, it's one of the funnest games of the season. And now it's equal in terms of repercussions, which Utah should appreciate. I just think Utah State has been so loyal to BYU, playing them every year, and give them a shot, see what they want. They may not want it every year, but if they do, go ahead and do it. I would think they would, certainly if they can get the games in Logan, because they're pretty much guaranteed a sellout. Uh, It didn't look like it was a sellout Saturday morning. Looked like there were some empty, it was uh, not concrete right. uh, bleachers available there, and they had a booster buy some tickets and give them away at local elementary schools, so that yeah, crowd could have been even smaller. And I've been up there covering those games, and they're fun games. And they had a tremendous comeback the Cougars did the one year, and uh, it, it it just brings interest into the state and gives you an opportunity to sell your sell your state. You know, this is one to be on CBS uh, Network. CBS Sports Network Friday yeah. night. And so obviously they'll be talking about it. CBS Sports Network has got to be thrilled that BYU's 4-0 ranked 13th. Yep. They they yeah. scoop up that game every year, and this year's even better for them. Yeah, the they've got to love that. Ratings bump. Friday night, uh, 9 o'clock back east. Not too bad, particularly on a Friday night when you don't have to get up, usually, most folk. So um, my, my guess is there might be some college football people who would check that out. Hey, say, well, what's BYU about? You know, I know they had the Zach Wilson kid go to the Jets, and I know they went all those games last year. And then that's the thing about BYU football. Once it's good, it bridges the gap of the down years. Like Zach Wilson. Oh, yeah. Ty Demmer. Bosco. Young. It's easy. Even though it's been 30, 40 years, you make that connection relatively easy. The brand is important, especially yeah. in college sports, and a lot of schools have ridden it. USC is struggling. You know, this decade hasn't been, the last decade wasn't nearly as good as the decade before, but when they get it going again, they'll connect. The brand lives on. Yeah, yeah, When exactly. When it does, then there you draw back to that time. Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's doing it right now. This is up for them. I think they're a little bit different. I mean, they're always they, they, they have high intensity coverage, irregardless of their team. But they were right. But their team was pretty mediocre for a long run, and now they're really good again. I mean, they're cranking out ten win seasons and more, eleven, twelve, whatever. Well, as long as they don't execute their offense, they'll be okay. Yeah, that fell flat. <laughs> I get the historical nature of the quote, but it. It got a better laugh the first time than it did the second. I don't think you got a laugh. You can't set yourself <laughs> up like that. And I don't think, uh, Brian Kelly, if you haven't been funny. You can't attempt, suddenly yeah, be yeah, funny right, right. with Because nobody knows how to act that, around that. Whereas if you've been lighthearted and had made a number of right. comments, like Leach could have pulled that off because he's viewed as a sort of an out there dude. Because everybody's playing or like, what's he going to say? Yeah, but and Kelly, says, is that's not who he's been. No, he's no. more of a grinder. Yeah, well, Not even a grinder. He's considered just a bleep. He just doesn't have a, you know, he's not a sense of humor guy. Yeah. Lane Kiffin can do that. You think that. I'm kidding, DJ. You know what I mean? Lane <laughs> I Kiffin says outrageous stuff more often, and he gets away with it. K- Kiffin would get away says with that. It. Yeah, he would get away with this. Yeah. Not so for Kelly. Yeah, Kiffin had fun with the rat poison. Right. Now, yeah, he goes, that's just who he is. Josh says, uh, BYU-Utah? Sure. Any loss to Utah will still leave BYU 0-0 in the Big 12. That's right. I see Dang. what he's doing. 
I know what he's well, doing. We'll play Josh. They were zero and zero. Scotty's absolutely serious. Scotty's uh, probably an accountant. <laughs> of course. All teams benefit by playing teams close to home that don't require chartering planes. Financially, they do. Save 100 grand. That'll pay for two or three employees because I think it's actually probably more than 100 grand now. Shireen says, the pack has never wanted BYU. That's a fact. This is a chance to walk away from that game. Break all ties. They don't want them, but yet they want to schedule them all the time. Well, then don't break all ties. <laughs> never mind. Don't break all ties. It'll be interesting to see what BYU does. Because they can go the Utah way, too, or like the Arizona way and try to play as many cream puffs as possible. Or they've got contracts with a bunch of big-name programs. And do they want to give those up? Yeah, yeah, they got SC, Stanford, and yada yada down the line. So do they want to shoehorn those games earlier in the season? How do they want to play that? My guess is they do. But they don't want to give those up. They've got them, but they'll and they'll be, we'll be getting uh, in a couple of years. We'll be getting stuff uh, in 2054. <laughs> you know what I mean? The thing is, with some of those games, if you give them up, will you get them back? They're going to do this alliance thing, so they might not want to schedule you. So, if you want to play some of those schools, you got them under contract. You probably shouldn't give them up. Yeah, yeah. If it's agreeable to both sides down the line, push them back even right. more. Because I assume now they they'll have still years. play the one double A game. They, I assume, right. They have years where they don't have a lot of, you know, 2024, they've got uh, Utah on the schedule and NC State, and that is it for Power 5 games. Well, they'll, they'll have a slew of them in 24. Right. So I'm saying when you're deciding what to hold, the choices aren't as tough. Well, you're not balancing USC and Stanford that year. No, no. You, you schedule a Big Sky game and away you go. Twenty twenty five, they have Stanford, Minnesota, Virginia, and Utah. So now you got to pick and choose. Broncos right, probably right, over right. there waving his hand, going, "You can let us go, thanks." Yeah, I would think so. Don't worry about us; we'll be fine. Yeah, but that it's not his decision. No, completely. More folks weighing in here. Uh... <laughs> These people just going back and forth at this. It's what they do. Uh, I know. Uh, no, Clint says, and this is actually to your original point, because you just made it clear they are way too big time to associate with either BYU or Utah State. But BYU and Utah State should continue playing the game. I would like to see it. And I would like to see Utah, too. But if they want to take some time off, as they've done, I'm totally fine with it. I think that rivalry will be intermittent going forward. I can live with it. Because they'll still have a rivalry whether they play or not. That's why it's one of the greatest rivalries in the country. Yeah, we've noticed Because they don't have to play to have it still go. And then with the Big 12, Pac-12 in our market, it's going to be sensational. Really, really looking forward to it in two years. We should start it next year. Big 12, Pac-12 bowl games going forward. Maybe they can play there in their off years. Even better. That Vegas bowl worked for me. Oh, for sure, yeah. That I was stadium there. was packed. It was a lot of energy in the pregame and all that stuff. And we there's were there. a lot of bowl games. We had just, so much fun that week. Yeah, there's a lot of bowl games that are just so blah. Just so. Right. Yeah. That was, and, and the night, uh, two nights before, I saw Olivia Newton-John. Oh, was that the week of that? I, I believe it was, I didn't know yeah. which Vegas trip that I was. I believe that was, yes. 
You and Gordon and Dick Harmon. Gordon wow. setting land speed records to get down so, to Vegas. A lot of people who don't want to see Olivia Newton-John, but would watch the three of you watch Olivia Newton-John. Well, it's for free, and I'm sitting in a hotel room. Everybody else is facing the stage, I? and there's a bunch of sports friends from Utah, but they're back to the stage watching you three. I got nothing else to do, and it's for free. I enjoyed it. What the heck? Something I, to do. I don't know that I would have paid for it, but I didn't have to. Uh, Matt says Iowa State plays uh, Iowa and Northern Iowa every year. I see no difference. I think regional rivals should play regardless of conference. That's what makes college football great. I agree. And as channel surfers, I think you do this. I know I do. When you're looking for a game, when you see a game you know is a rivalry game and it's competitive. It's got to be competitive. It's more likely to hold your interest. Right. If I see Tennessee has blown out Vanderbilt, I keep moving. For sure. But... The number of rivalry games I've watched randomly over the year because it's a rivalry game and people are going nuts and it's competitive. I can appreciate it. I've stopped on all kinds of games for that. I, I agree, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. BYU has proven that it's the best team in the state and the best program in the state over the past several seasons. The Big 12 chose BYU and not Utah. Get the Utes off the schedule, get the Aggies off the schedule, and schedule like a national power. Get Bama into Provo. Shazbot, the ultimate Mormon (laughs) S-word. Shazbot. I don't know that I've ever heard that one. I have never heard that one. I grew up here. (laughs) I like it. I'm from Orem, Utah, and I've never heard that. Shazbot. (laughs) I pulled that driveway left. Shazbot. What particle of speech is it? Or mm. article? Noun. So you're a Shazbot? That is Shazbot! <laughs> you Shazbot around? Uh, might be a versatile word. And since we're just making it up, why not make it? Never heard of it. Drew Christensen tweets at us listening to Dylan talk right now is why. It's BYU's responsibility to keep the rivalry going. Utah has blown up BYU so much for bigger names. And stick with USU. They have been loyal, and they actually respect the in-state rivalry. Yeah. I think that's true. Do they respect it, or financially it's so good for them they didn't want to mess it up? They're linked to the big time in relevance. You're speaking of Utah State? No, Utah State. And maybe they do I'm respect sure it. there's truth to that, what you're saying there. But what difference does it make? They played it. Like, Utah didn't get in the Pac-12 on its own merit. It largely got in because Texas and Oklahoma said no. So what? (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Who are you playing in two weeks? You're in. USC. Yeah, that's all that matters. What difference does it make how you got in? Yeah, you just got to accept that in the world of college sports. And Oklahoma and Texas have power, and they decide something, so Utah's in the Pac-12, and they decide something else, so BYU's in the Big 12. and well, Same principle. So way, what? What difference it does it make? You're we in the were, Big 12, baby. Yeah, I mean, I went to press conferences for both, and everyone, both fan bases and administrations were ecstatic. So good for them. P5s don't go to Logan, so why should we anymore at this point? That's not true. There aren't a lot of P5s going to Logan. Okay, but you said P5s don't. That means one I do remember, makes that statement I do remember inaccurate. Oregon going 15 years ago and Kansas State going 25 years ago. I'm hard. Oh, Wake Forest went there. 
Washington State. Washington State State has got a deal. You're right. Yeah. So no, that's not true. It's a short list, but there is a list. And and this is different circumstance too. It is. Robert, who uh, listens, and Utah went there too. Yeah. Robert, who uh, (laughs) who listens and tweets at us a lot, says. BYU versus Utah on the Friday before April General Conference. Great! Three exclamation points. <laughs> I'm an interviewer. And the idea man. playing in Hawaii was excellent. Another idea that I created. I'm an idea man. I may freeze to death in the studio, but I am an idea man. Oh, we're going to freeze to death in the studio. That's how the show ends. Bring <laughs> a heater. You, you and I like Jack Nicholson in the mountains of Colorado. No, here's lost, Scotty. Lost, <laughs> lost in the hedges. Because <laughs> you, you, you start, you are starting to look good to me. Oh no! <laughs> are you real? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, history rhymes. Yeah, you man says no to the Utah game since everyone knows the Utes are too good and important to play the Cougars every year. Scream at the TV says, this is funny reading these responses now that the shoe is on the other foot. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Hey, we'll go around. BYU should play Idaho State as well. The Bengals scheduled BYU during the Independence. But not every year. <laughs> no. They're playing the Bengals in November. They are. I've been saying for years, this game needs to die, Utah man am I. But the Big 12 affiliation helps. I'm now up for the Utes and the Cougars playing four to six out of every ten years. I think that's where it's going. Four out of every ten? What's the point? That seems too few. I don't think it'll... Well, I have to see how this alliance works and how often they play the real big-time games, because I do think that that logic is going to hold regardless of who's calling the shots. We've seen it under True. two ADs, get to a third or fourth AD. If they're playing Alabama home-and-home, home, or they're playing Ohio State home-and-home, home, they might shy away from a BYU game. But the TV networks are going to be trying to schedule the best programs against the best teams. Is Utah going to stay good? They're going to be good on merits. They're not going to be there on brand. USC... Could go six and six. They're going to get those games based on their brand. I don't think Utah is. And if if you're playing some of the teams that uh, aren't as high profile, Indiana, Purdue, Rutgers, hey, the BYU game lives. Sorry, did I just talk bad about Jersey. Rutgers three and one, man, with a close loss in the Big House. I say only four, four out of ten is too little. You got to play at least forty percent of the time. That is four out of ten, PK, as you well know. Oh. That yeah, well, it's divide. Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, we got fans here advocating getting rid of the FCS games. Everyone's trying to shoehorn these games in with nine conference games, and then you got your money game with the Big Sky. Lose those games. I would absolutely be in favor of that, unless it really impacts the Big Sky level teams, and they need that game. Then it does. And they do. I mean, that's why they're playing them. They're not playing them because they're going to win. I mean, once in a while they do, and Montana got Washington. I know they're playing and them you to got make Arizona. money, but I don't know that, that it's a necessity. If it is, then give them the bone that they need 
because it's important for them to be able to have their level of football. And that's how schools like Utah get seven home games in a year, which is important for their budget as they chase the money and try to close the gap on the wealthier teams. Understood. So I just I don't think that game's going away. For money reasons, it makes sense for both schools, which is why games that don't make sense on the field get played anyway. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands and Scotty are coming up next. Stay with us.